Call to order. I call to order the February 6, 2023 Edgewater City Council meeting. Roll call. Mayor DePue. Present. Councilwoman Gillis. Present. Councilwoman Bennington is excused. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Councilwoman Dalbo. Here. Councilman Powers. Here. City Attorney Wolf. Here. City Manager Irby. Here. City Clerk Blotnick present. Please stand for the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please remain standing for a moment of silence. Approval of the minutes. None at this time. Presentations, proclamation, plaques, certificate, or donations. Certificate of completion of the Institute for Elected Municipal Officials. Presented to Councilman Jonah Powers. There's a proclamation tonight for Ms. Cuthbert. Whereas Linda Cuthbert adopted to the city of Edgewater as her community, where she commits and dedicates her time and efforts in the making Edgewater a better place to live and visit. And whereas Ms. Cuthbert is a graduate of the University of Cincinnati, holding bachelor's degree in English literature and secondary education. And whereas Ms. Cuthbert taught English at New Smyrna Beach High School from 1986 to 2012, and whereas Ms. Cuthbert served on Volusia County School Boards for two terms from 2014 to 2022, focusing on the safety and security of all campuses, maintaining and ex expanding career and technical education, and addressing mental health and chronic absences concern within the district. And whereas Linda Cuthbert has been a good friend to the city of Edgewater and his students for over the years. Now, therefore, I, Diesel DePue, Mayor of the City of Edgewater, and on behalf of the Edgewater City Council, do hereby tender to Linda Cuthbert this proclamation of public recognition, extending to her, her our congratulations for her distinguished service and our best wishes for continued success in the future. In witness, therefore, of, I have hereunto set my hands in the cause to the great seal of the city of Edgewater to offend us the sixth day of February in the year of our Lord, 2000 and 2023, Linda Cuthbert Day. Citizens' comments. This is a time for the public to come forward with any comments they may have. Citizens' comments related to any agenda matter may be made at the time the matter is before the council. Please state your name and address, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Is this for just agenda items, or this is for anything in general? Anything in general. 
My name is Eric Rainbird. I live at 118 San Remo Drive. And uh, I'm on your planning and zoning board, trying to stick up for the citizens here of Edgewater. So I'd like to ask if maybe we could forgo the three-minute timer for one spell, because some of the stuff I have to say pertains into the planning and zoning board, too. Um, the last meeting, I don't know if any of you watched it, we had one of the builders come, and uh, it was a pretty good meeting. Um, they're going to be building another development uh, right up against people's fences that have been here for a while. And the people came in over here and they had some concerns. Two-story buildings up against the fence line and what kind of houses are going in there? Is it low-income housing? I went through all this with San Remo when they put in the Woodbridge Lakes and all these other uh, developments. And uh, well, I bought some pictures in because it hasn't gone so great. But the pictures are, I guess, not passing the security. But we've had a mess over there for two years. And I approached the, uh, the builders to try and have some concerns for our people. Because now that, now that uh, I'm not going to say their name, but they're like the biggest builder in the state of Florida. They just moved right up against our fence line, destroyed everybody's fence. We have one house where, um, Jeff, uh, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think last minute, Randy went and walked the property, had them put a little, uh, I don't know if it's a berm or easement. We couldn't find out if it was a homeowner's property, was it the city's property, but thank God he had them put that berm in there because we think that's what kept us from flooding out. However, there's two houses there that now, their backyards, the fence is giving out because the builders hit the fence and just didn't tell anybody. We can't get a hold of anybody. They're trying to get a hold of the other HOA. And uh, now that they're gone, I mean, who, who wins here? I mean, there has to be a way that we can police them better so that when they leave, because right now this lady got a $3,000 bill just to fix her fence. We're calling people and nothing's happening. Who wins? There's some developer that got a bunch of money. He's probably down in West Palm on his yacht drinking champagne right now. While we, the people of Edgewater, this one lady, the lady's been here since 2012. They went right up against our fence line. They told us they were going to build a common fence. There's no fence. They told us there weren't going to be any two-story buildings. There's three of them right on the fence line. I find anybody looking down in my yard, I'm going to go in the backyard naked so they don't look over my fence anymore. I mean, but there's got to be a way. I mean, what do we do now that they're gone? Are there any answers? I don't know if uh, our HOA president spoke to you, but is there anything that, that can be done other than now this lady who's had this house since 2012, they're gone, and now she has to have her fence repaired? And who knows? Because that, that ditch is their property. Is that, Mr. Mayor. is that ditch for drainage? There's people putting fences right up to our fence. Thank you, Mr. Rainbird. We'll have the department head contact you. I've been contacted. Well, I'll make sure they'll contact you again. And I will personally come out there and look at this issue. And you will have more time allotted at the end of this meeting. Well, I think I've, I think I've got out what we need. We just need to, when these people leave, they just need to be policed a little bit better. And Thank you, Mr. Rainbird.
Darwin Rathbun, 131 Highland Avenue. Came in on the first meeting of the year, um, brought up the subject of the fire hydrants and the new construction for the water pipes. Coming back in to bring it back up again to make sure that whatever needs to be done for the city, whether it comes from the council, if they need more money to fix it before it gets too far gone, they haven't put service to the houses yet. But if you fix the problem now, it's less money on the city to get it corrected. I believe uh, they came out and said it was within compliance, but I showed uh, Glenn how far the hydrants were apart and that if it had been placed better upon them coming in and doing it, it would have served the citizens of the area much better instead of just the two property owners at the front of the subdivision. So I want to make sure if we need to give them more money to fix the problem, that it goes up for a vote, gives them the money, because in all sense, it needs to help all the citizens of that area equally, not just the two at the front. You going to be around tomorrow? Yes. Okay. Well, actually, tomorrow I'll be on the job in the morning, but About later when, in the afternoon. Wednesday? I'll call you. Okay. But I just wanted to make sure if they need any monies or something, they come to you and that we can get it you know, before it costs the city much more money and that it helps all of us in the neighborhood that's been <coughs> promised this for the last 20 years. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. Um, I'd like to address, uh, Linda Cuthbert, uh, 1810 Red Rock Road. I'd like to address consent agenda letter G. Um, this is a, a reoccurring activity, Indian River Elementary. It's one of their major fundraisers. It's an excellent. Mr. Mayor, candidate. we're not there yet. It said anything on the agenda? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Comments relating to any out. agenda matter. Then it'll be spoken yeah. upon at that time. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I think you've heard me anyway. Thank, thank you, you so much. Councilman Mayor, um, since I'm here, I'm going to bring this up. Um, Sir, Mark Mallow, 639 Coral Trace Boulevard, Coral Trace. Um, Riverside Drive is beautiful. You guys did a great job in the past years. Do any of you know, have any idea when New Smyrna Beach is going to get their act together for the Riverside Drive? I mean, they got that in the plans, anybody knows? You're talking to the wrong municipality. I don't have to go to another meeting. I'm putting a, <laughs> in a butt here. But, um, yeah, because we get our road bikes, and they're smooth right on Riverside Drive here. When you, Once you hit New Smyrna, you know it. Those wheels are so skinny. Just, you know, so. But I, I just thought maybe you guys might know because they're in your neighbors. No, sir. Okay, what's the best way I should go about it? You could contact your the mayor of this one beach i'm sure he'd be more than happy to answer your question okay all right thank you thank you Teresa david 1015 regent street when i attended the hurricane response meeting on december 5th 2022 the subject of the duck pond not having the ability to drain was discussed Connecting it to the 17th Street Canal was considered. I am here as a representative of the residents of Regent and Bond Street who sustained flooding during Hurricane Ian to say that that project needs to be implemented. I have also noticed that the mango tree pond that flooded the city's animal shelter is still very high. 
Drainage for that pond should also be, be implemented. And a proactive storm plan for the future should be put in place for preemptive drainage before a forecasted storm arrives. I suggest that the city's storm planning needs to, be, needs to have a thorough review and update by a qualified outside source. Are, um, are you relying on outdated information? Here's an example. The overlay used at the hurricane response meeting to show us the canals and ponds contains outdated information. There is a pond on the overlay that is, was filled in close to 30 years ago. Are the new recently dug ponds in the new developments included on that overlay? You might want to research the age of the overlay, the information on the overlay, and what other storm-related information you're, you're using that may be outdated. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. McDavid. Y'all ready? Chuck Martin, 205 Chairwood Lane. Edgewater, Florida. Um, before, during, and after the storms, myself and the mayor traveled many miles of ditches and canals. And uh, on some different occasions, myself and Councilwoman Gillis and her husband did the same thing. You know, but we were told by Randy Coslow that once a year they're cleaned out, maybe twice. It's not true. Talked to the homeowners who flooded many of them. They said, I remember when they were cleaned out. It's beside behind the mayor's house, been many, many years. Um, I like being light, Randy. So, just for the private sector, you would be fired immediately. But luckily for you, you work for the city of Edgewater. It's more difficult. Um, the city manager has been taking a lot of heat for Randy's incapability. I witnessed a man come out. And um, he's been here for 55, 56 years. He used to clean them ditches. I don't know when they're cleaned out and when they're not. But that took her right out of my business. 17th Street Canal, sure enough, clogged up on both sides, barely moving on the storage tracks. Some places, the uh, mayor and Mr. Lake, because he seems to get stuff done. Um, I'm beside myself. All these boards work out on city. I would be willing to to take these machines on a weekend center to clean these damn ditches out. What's it gonna take? You know? So we did some surveying and some elevations. Um, I won't call her name right now, but she'll be up here. Her house sits about six six feet above sea level, and there's another one right down by the duck pond, or past the duck pond on, I guess that would be Lime Tree at 17th. Same elevation, did not flood by the canal because it could drain. So Randy, if you knew about this ahead of time and you didn't do nothing about it, at least put an eight-inch pump down it. Pump that water, pump it down. Pump 
Time to quit talking about it and do it. Thank you, Mr. Martin. Mr. Mayor, that is not allowed. Donna McDavid, 1201 Bond Street. The last time we were here, I spoke about the lack of action on the city's part to address and respond to four separate requests for action to be taken regarding issues relating to the retention ponds at Bond and Regent Street. Tonight, I'm here once again requesting to know why action has not been given to a FOIA request dated 14 December of 22 and received by the city 19 December of 22. Mr. Coslow has stood in this very chamber on more than one occasion, providing nothing more than lip service to the members of this community. We have repeatedly heard over and over from him about how the city cleans the approximate 130 miles of canals and ditches within the city yearly. Yet I, as well as other members here, have talked to numerous city citizens throughout the community and their ditches have not been cleaned in years. My own first request for the ponds to be cleaned of trash and debris was April of 2022. Nothing was ever done until January of 2023 after our neighborhood flooded, which was one of my biggest fears. The FOIA request that I spoke of was a request for maintenance records on the ponds located at Bond and Regent Streets. I have to date not received any response whatsoever from Mr. Coslow or any of his staff. Mr. Coslow, if you were an employee in the private sector, you would have already been fired for not doing your job. As a retired military veteran, I can assure you that in the military, minimum action would be taken against you would be a court-martial. Mr. Irby, please consider restructuring your departments so that we citizens of this community get the services that we are paying for. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Donna. Please, no applause. Any other citizens' comments at this time? Hi, uh, John O'Connell, Edgewater here. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, I had the opportunity to volunteer with some of you at the Princess Ball over the weekend, and I just wanted to come up and thank you guys for putting on that event uh, in coordination with YMCA. I want to thank uh, Sam Bergeron um, and uh, draw special attention too to Brandy Mastek. I got to say, since um, since she has taken over the city events, the turnout has been phenomenal. The events are clean, well organized, and I think it really reflects what we're capable of as a community. And um, for those of you who are there and uh, able to serve at the Princess Ball, I just want to thank you again and uh, advocate that we continue to put on those events and uh, especially those for the children in our community. Um, and also. Uh, Diesel, I know uh, you were in here a lot with me uh, leading up to the elections, and I'm, I'm excited to see a lot of new faces up here. And I got to say, um, I know there's a lot of uh, serious issues in the room, but I really respect the crowd that you guys have brought here. Uh, there were too many meetings last year where it was just us. So um, so I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, I just want to say thank you again for the, the time of the Princess Ball. Thank you. Any other citizens' comments at this time? Please say your name and address into the record.
Okay, item number five, approval or changes, modifications to the agenda. Request that uh, item 7J be pulled for further review. And that is it. Granted. You'll need a motion and a vote to pull it and then to move forward with the rest. What was that 7G, Glenn? J. <clears throat> J. I make a motion to remove item 7J from consent agenda. I second. Okay. Council reports. I'm sorry, we need to take a roll call. Roll call. <clears throat> Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Item number six. Council. You have to ask for um, back to consent agenda. Yes, sir. The, the rest of them have to be voted on. We're not quite there yet. I'm sorry, I jumped the gun. Thank you, Mr. Attorney. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Council reports. Councilwoman Dalbo. Hi. Um. Well, I'd like to report that um, I was present at the Princess Ball. Um, we had a great event, a wonderful turnout, as the young man stated. Uh, lots of happy prince and princesses, and um, and our events are exciting. And this event in particular is the largest fundraiser for the Edgewater Scholarship Fund. That money stays here in Edgewater for Edgewater students, which is which is which is wonderful. Um, big promoter of that. So I just wanted to say, great event, and all the council was here, um, so we had a great time. Thank you. That's all. Councilman Powers. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, I attended the Volusia League of Cities dinner on the 26th with um, you and Councilwoman Gillis. We had some staff there, and Councilwoman Dalbo was there as well. Um, and then I also was at the Princess Ball on the 4th. I do just want to echo the thank you to Sam, her staff, Brandy. Uh, really phenomenal job, and the cause is even better, so thank you. So that's all, sir. Thank you. Of course. I had a great opportunity with our city manager, Mr. Irby, to attend a breakfast breakfast with our surrounding mayors and city managers all the way from Oak Hill to Port Orange. I had a great time attending the Southeast Volusia Chamber of Commerce meeting with Mayor Cleveland and Mayor Gibson of Oak Hill and New Smyrna to discuss our economic development situation and to see which direction we would like to see our communities grow and how every surrounding municipality can help reach our goals. Councilwoman Gillis and I attended a League of City Learning Seminar for newly elected officials. Mr. Manager, Mr. Larrisy and I met with the area of Regent and Bond Street to discuss how we can address the citizens' issues alongside cleaning their drainage system, which has been addressed. I attended a New Smyrna Beach Council, City Council meeting, and I attended a political executive committee meeting. That was in one day. Had a wonderful night at Giuseppe's Pizza with Senator Tom Wright. Had a great time informing our residents on WSBB radio station. Had a wonderful tour of our park and recreation with Miss Bergeron. Thank you for all you, you do. You keep a wonderful tight ship on all of our parks in our area. Had a great ride along with Officer Nugent. It's amazing what our police force does. They're amazing. Had a great time at a political, political dinner in Daytona. Had a great time introducing myself to the fire department along with a ride along. Had a wonderful meeting with Mayor Cleveland in New Smyrna Beach. Attended the Burnside Tech Business Showcase down in Oak Hill. Had a wonderful time at the Volusia League of Cities dinner. 
Had a wonderful ride along with our refuse department. Thank you for everything you do in our city. Had a wonderful mayor's call with all of our surrounding mayors in each community in Volusia County. Mr. Irby and I had a wonderful time at the Volusia's elected official roundtable meeting. I enjoyed the introduction to the Citizen Police Academy. I enjoyed a great time at the Chamber of Commerce Business Expo this weekend where Councilwoman Gillis and I were judges to see who had the best booth, and that was a tough event. Had a great time at the car show here in Edgewater. Had a great time with Councilwoman Gillis at Indian River Winterfest. And I had the honor of speaking to the National Honor Junior Society at the students at Burnside Tech when they were introduced into the Honor Society. Thank you. Councilwoman Gillis. I tried to write a list this time because I feel like last time I couldn't think of everything to say, so I'm going to repeat a couple of things that you said. Um, I completed an online orientation through the League of Cities for newly elected officials, and I felt like that gave me a lot of tools moving forward. And then I also attended another one in person with Mayor Depew. I was able to network and find more contacts and people that I felt would be good to help me moving forward with this. I toured our wastewater and water treatment plant, and there's a great bunch of guys out there running those. Um, Mayor Dupuy and I also did the WSBB radio program. If you guys don't know that um, the city does something for them every month, I believe on a Tuesday, and it's informative. Um, I have also started attending all of the local schools in Edgewater, their PTA and SAC meetings, so that way we could idea share between them to find out what the schools are needing from us. Um, I attended the, the EMO with Mayor Depew and Councilwoman Gulbo, and that's the Institute for a Multiple, or sorry, Institute for Newly Elected Municipal Officials. That was also very informative. Um, I attended our TPO meeting. Um, I attended the Readers during Literacy Week, where we got to read to the children in Indian River, and that was with Councilwoman Dolbo, Councilwoman Bennington, and uh, Mayor Depew as well, as well as some other uh, people from the city. I attended the Indian River, Indian River Winterfest and. Myself and Mir Dupu were actually, they, they put us in jail for charity, so that was interesting. The kids would pay to put us in and pay to get us back out, so that was fun. We were going to do the dunk tank originally, but it was too cold. So I just want you to know there was there's some commitment there. Um, I, I would have done you. it too. <laughs> um, we had our council orientation on Friday last Friday, and that was very informative. All the departments were came out and had a presentation for us. Um, we attended the VLOC dinner in Pearson. Also very informative. I toured uh, the fire stations and went on a ride along, and that was fire station 55 and 57. Jeff Laracy is amazing with everything he does, and uh, Lieutenant Nichols was able to give me a tour of both stations, and as well as a ride along. I want to start doing that every month because I want to be able to advocate and for that department and say I've been out there. I mean, I see where the needs are, and I've seen it by for myself. Um, I also attended the Citizens Police Academy with Mayor Depew. Uh, thank you, Mahoney and Geiger, for all you guys are doing with that. Um, I attended the NSB CAPS where they were honoring new KUDO achievers this year. They do that yearly, and they raise a lot of money for scholarship. That was a great event. Um, as Mayor Depew said, we attended the Chamber of Commerce for their home and garden show as judges. And then we, after that, there was the CAPS Spaghetti Dinner, and that's one of their big fundraising events where they raise money for scholarships for local kids. And then everybody volunteered at the Princess Ball, and it was an amazing event. And I know this was already said, but thank you to 
the Sam Bergeron, Brandy Matzik, to Jason O'Keefe. Everybody in that department is amazing, and the Princess Ball was great. The kids loved it. We loved it, and it was a pleasure to be able to volunteer at that. And I believe the last thing was I did, we also attended the car show. The car show was also amazing, and I should have said that one earlier because it was earlier in the month, but um, the part, those departments knocked it out of the park. Those events were amazing, and I was happy to be able to, I guess, represent our city for all those things, and I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you. Please hold applause. <laughs> Item 7, the consent agenda. All matters listed under the consent agenda are considered to be routine by one city council and will be acted upon by one motion. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a discussion is desired by a member of the council, in which case the mayor will remove that item from the consent agenda, and such item will be considered separately, other than 7J. Mr. Mayor, I would like to remove item 7E and item 7F for discussion. E and F? Sure. Okay. Motion? Make a motion to approve consent agenda with the exception to item 7E, F, and J. I'll second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. <clears throat> Councilman Powers? Yes. Okay. Item 8, public hearing order. have to do the okay. items that were pulled for the Okay, item 7E, requesting award and authorization for the city manager to issue <clears throat> a purchase order to Inver safety products in the amount of $38,699.43 per terms and conditions set forth in ITB 23-FD-05 for technical and wetland gear for the City of Edgewater Fire Department. Staff report. Staff report. <clears throat> the City issued an invitation to bid on December 6, 2022 with the intent of obtaining bids from qualified vendors to provide technical wildland gear for the Fire Department. On January 12, 2023, four bids were received. The prices range from a low of $38,699 to a high of $69,836. Staff determined the products listed by the lowest responsible bidder met the requirements and intent of the grant funding source. Per the stated evaluation criteria, the award of contract shall be based on the lowest uh, compliant and qualified bidder. So the recommended action before you tonight is a motion to award and authorize the city manager to issue a purchase order to environmental safety products in the amount of $38,699.43 per the terms and conditions set forth in ITB23-FD-05 for technical wildland gear for the City of Edgewater Fire Department. Okay, so the reason I pulled this, it was more exploratory in nature. One of the bidders reached out concerned about the way that it was posted. So I sort of have some questions for staff. Um, there was also a pretty large price difference. You know, the lowest bid was 38699 The second bid came in at 53000 That's a pretty difference in, in, in price there. And the rest of them, there's not that large of a gap. So the concern is there, too, is the equipment up to par? Is it, you know, at the level that, that we really need it to be? So those are sort of two separate issues. The first issue, though, um, and this is more of a question for the fire chief. And, and if not, then fine, we move on. 
but um, the claim that was made, for example, just in for example, in the in the bid posting, we were looking for wildland gear, right? So it asked for the squish elbow pads and some other things that were specific to that brand. Um, when this particular bidder went out to, to do research, they could only find that available in turnout gear, for example. And so their claim was, you're asking for one thing, but are the intentions a separate thing, right? Like, was there an inconsistency with what we were wanting versus what was posted? So they bid really at the turnout gear because they assumed because that was the only available option that that's what they, you know, found. So I don't know if that makes sense or... Um, <clears throat> I didn't put this request together. This would have been finance, but I can tell you that with the bid process, we include the FEMA grant information, which has a lot of detail of exactly what they're willing to pay for, um, right down to the NFPA standards of each type of equipment. Okay. And um, this bid came in low, so I was concerned about that myself, so I researched the company myself and the purchasing agent for the city of Edgewater, both of us had concerns. This company is out of California, so they sell a lot of this gear, this type of brush gear, and that's probably why they have been able to be so competitive. But we have confirmed, and FEMA has also looked at it and confirmed it's exactly what we went out for RFP for. So FEMA has confirmed compliance. That is correct. Okay. All right. I just wanted to explore that. I mean, if FEMA has given the go-ahead, there's not much to stand on then, obviously. So obviously what you were looking for in that wildland gear, like the squish pads, for example, that is available, obviously, in that type of that's, that's correct. equipment. Okay. okay. I do have a question on, the, on that same uh, thing, because I thought it was um, unusual that uh, the, the bid that, the lowest bid that got the contract, their, their numbers were all the same. There was like no, there was nothing, they did put no effort into the bid, they just figured out what the number needed to be. It seems to me uh, to get the, the number right where it needs to be to be accepted as the lowest bid without putting any effort into into each item line. And I just, and then I printed out the, the Wildland helmets, for example, $80 a helmet. And the other other vendors, uh, well, one, one was 400 and the other was 70 and one was 64 How can there be such a big difference in the helmet? I mean, it, I mean that's such an important part of the gear is that, you know, is that $400 helmet the same as a $64 helmet? So the company that, that we're looking at awarding the bid to, um, they sell it as a kit. It's essentially a, a Wildland <clears throat> kit, and it's available on their website. <clears throat> so actually, I went to their website, and it's right there. So they don't break the price down by unit, by helmet, by um, jacket. They make you buy the, so the whole kit. So that's how they priced it. So they essentially took what their kit costs and divide it into the number of items that we were purchasing. I believe it was the helmet, gloves, goggles, jacket, pants, and boots. So we're basically buying, it's it's a kit that they already sell for that price that they're selling it to us for. Okay, and, and each each product that, that, that the, the fire department will get is the same quality as the other three vendors. There's no, it's not like a, a fire sale or, you know, buy half price and save some money. You know, no, it appears that this company is out of California, and this is, as long as everything is legit on their side that they're telling us, and FEMA did their background, and we've done our research, <coughs> looks like they're, they're in, they can be very competitive because 
it's likely that they probably win all the bids. It's very likely because they're they sell a lot of this wildfire gear. Have we ever bought from them in the past? No. This is the first time, so still. Okay. All right, no more questions. Thank you. So wildland gear is consistent across the board. So there used to be an NFPA standard. So NFPA changes from year to year depending on when they update their standards. And there is a wildland standard for, uh, for say, the jacket, but there may not be an industry standard for, like, the goggles. Okay. So there is NFPA standards that were built into this grant that we have that 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 they have to meet. And they met those standards. And they may, they that meet. were consistent with any of the other bids. That's correct. I, I can give you an example. If um, somebody wanted to sell us um, structural firefighting gear, which would work for wildland firefighting, it wouldn't be optimal, obviously, because right. it'd be too heavy. But technically, they would meet the the needs of the grant. Um, okay. But it would be more expensive, and of course, it was more expensive. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I appreciate it. So the grant kind of dictates uh, what we'll spend then, um, and hopefully uh, the gear is uh, the quality we need it to be. Yeah, so so the um, FEMA, after we went out for RFP and the bids came back, then we have to provide that to FEMA to make sure that they're willing to pay what, you know, what this is going to cost us. In other words, they're not willing to overpay, and they've reviewed everything and have okayed it. Okay. Item 7F. Professor, vote. Sure. Motion and vote. I'm just, I'm just so, I'm just so uncertain with how. I mean, I just, I think you explained it very well, but I'm just uncomfortable with the fact that their, their prices are just so much lower. I mean, it just, it almost doesn't, it doesn't feel to me like, and I don't know, it's just that we're getting the quality we want uh, with the numbers that they're giving us because we don't know. Let me interject something here. Over the years, I found out that there are some. Uh, several companies that do nothing but bid stuff. Um, and their bids are reputable, their equipment is reputable, but they learn over the years to cut it by just enough to get under the threshold. And they win. Um, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. They study bids um, across the United States. Uh, Jeff has already indicated a couple of times that this company is out of California. I don't know of anybody else that suffers as many wildfires as what California does. Um, so I, we have to assume, based on what they put into their bid, that the equipment is above board. We, we can't question that. We did question it as far as FEMA goes, will, will you cover this equipment? The answer was a resounding yes. Um, there is another way around this. I mean, whoever is, feels like they've been slighted, if you will, there is a bid pro protest procedure. Um, Even after it's closed? I believe the answer to that is, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know? It hasn't been awarded. That's what they're doing now. Well, if that's not the case, um, I'd like to make a motion to rebid the project with clarification as what we're getting from each vendor is apples to apples. I, that makes sense. I, let me throw caution to the wind. I don't have. I understand okay. what it is you're asking, but I have a question of my own. Are we up against the deadline for this particular grant, or are we going to lose it? The, there is a deadline for this. Um, I don't know when it is, but all, everyone that 
bidded. We the, the people, the company that won, we have confirmed that that's what we, that meets the, the standard that we requested. So there's nothing to indicate that they're they're not providing us what, what, what we've asked for. Uh, one of the things that I can point you to is to the website. And on their own website, they have this kit, what they call the kit, that comes with everything that you're that we're purchasing. Okay. And the rules say the lowest responsive bidder. bidder. Yeah. No. And, okay, so and we, with that being said, um, I don't want to lose funding, and um, I work with FEMA enough myself to know that if they're regulating it, what they say goes at the end of the day. So, you know, at that point, we don't have much control over that. So, I make a motion to approve item seven E. There a second. Uh, I second that motion. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? No. Councilman Powers? Yes. Item 7F Professional Service Agreement Renewal Building Official Services. Staff report. Staff report. Yeah. Mike Garrett, who is president and owner of MLG Municipal Services, LLC, offered and the city accepted a multi-year contract for building inspection services during 2018. The initial term of the agreement was for a period of three years with an op option to renew for three additional one-year terms. This is the third such renewal, and the recommended action before you tonight is a motion to approve the renewal of the building official services professional services agreement. Okay, um, so we're renewing at a three-year term, correct? That's correct. Okay, what is the cost to renew the contract for one annual year? Oh, you know, I asked that question. I wrote it down, and now I don't see it. I can tell you it hasn't changed over the term. No, that's fine. I just would like a number. And I don't know that I can give that to you. Darren, do you know what that number is? Well, it all depends on the number of hours he works. A week, but uh, he gets uh, at the eighty dollars an hour. That's what it was. What do we budget for? Uh, we budget 24, 24 hours a week. Yeah, well, he's he's allowed up to thirty-two by his contract. Um, I can't remember what the budget number was. Then it should be at 32, 32 hours at eighty dollars. Right. Okay. How many days a week is he in the office? Three. He also is subject to call. I've actually called him on other. So that's one hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars, eight hundred and eighty dollars annually. Uh, Thirty-two, which I yeah, that's the going rate of a chief building official, though. But um, yeah. So here's my thing. Customer service is a big deal in general. Um, something that I kind of keep over and over hearing is sort of this backlog of building department. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. Uh, so we're having that conversation now. Um, how long it takes to get an inspection. If there's a homeowner, and, and I'm more concerned about customer service, not to contractors, not that we need to be mean to them, but I'm more concerned about customer service to homeowners. The homeowner who comes in and wants to get a fence permit. The homeowner who comes in and is doing, you know, swapping out their windows themselves. The homeowner who 
is waiting on a HVAC company to change their HVAC because it's 90 degrees out and their air conditioning system broke. So I'm concerned about a customer service standpoint. To not have a chief building official in office full time for the amount of building permits that we issue is a concern. Um, permit techs, does Mike do all the plan review too? Do we have any in-house plan review other than him? Uh, Universal helps with our plans review. I just don't enjoy a private provider. You know, I, I know we had one open building inspector recently. Was that filled? Yes. So we have four now acting inspectors? You have no, three. Three. How long does it take to get an inspection? We've not had any complaints. So is it like next day? Uh, if you call in, we try to do it as quickly as we we can. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure, in terms of like a building permit then, does everything go to review? Like windows, HVAC, fences, what goes? Like but yeah, every, everything gets reviewed. Right, but I mean in terms of like, is it like a two-week turnaround? Yes, it's, it's generally very quick. I mean, if you're talking about a residential building or a commercial building, it's going to take well, obviously, obviously a little yeah, longer. Yeah. Yeah, but the fences, HVAC, stuff like uh, that. changeouts, yes, we, we're we pretty quick on those. Okay, okay. Um, just moving forward, it has nothing to do with pers like a personal issue. It has to do with a professional thing that I just want to make sure that we're fully covered and fully staffed. Um, and here's my, here's my beef with, with this, too. A building department is operating under a chief building official and his license. So if he's not there and people are making decisions, right, like that's a concern that I have as well. So um, to actually find somebody with the license I don't think would be easy. But I would like us to really look at that process, looking at where we're heading, having full-time staff, walking away from private providers. Here's the thing with private providers. Someone who works for a private provider and someone who works for a municipality has to have the same licensure. They're all licensed by the state of Florida. However, if there is a municipality who is, you know, directly related for that person's employment, I just think there's more accountability. Um, we've had a lot of things fall through cracks with private providers. Like, they are in the profit-making business. So um, I would like to see this contract at one year, and I would like us to seriously start looking at funding a full-time chief building official um, position. So I don't know how to reword this other than I make a motion to renew the contract for building official services for only a one-year period. And, and that's what the addendum to the contract mm -hmm. states, which is just one year. It's the third one-year renewal. I'm sorry, I misread it then. I thought it was three. So this is not a three-year renewal? No. This will extend the contract from March 19, 2023 through and until March 18, 2024. Okay. My apologies. Okay. Well, then I've said my piece on the record. Moving on. I make a motion to approve item 7F. Uh, for a question, please. Do you want us to go ahead and move forward with that as of now? What? What? That what we just discussed. Yes. Before. Okay. I would second that. That was a great point. It is not budgeted. I know it's not budgeted. It's not easy. I'm not saying it has to happen tomorrow. It's going to be a process. But with the direction that we're heading, 
Um, I think we should seriously at least look at making sure we're staffed at the level we need to be staffed at for turnarounds and at the end of the day accountability. So. At the last council meeting, <clears throat> I believe we had two complaints about a building inspector. Yeah, and it's not even our building inspectors. It's, it, the, I, it's the private provider. Well, sure, yeah. of course it is. And, and so, you know, to have... Building inspector. Yeah, so, but yeah. Of course. Is there a second for the motion? A second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilwoman Powers? Yes. Okay. Item 8A, second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-01. Elliott Meadows is requesting annexation of 0 .30 acres of land located on North Cory Drive. Staff report. Yes, sir. This is a second reading. There is no additional information, but staff does stand ready to answer any and all questions that you may have. And I'll read it now into the record. Uh, ordinance number 2023-0-01, an ordinance annexing 0 .30 plus or minus acres of certain real property located on North Cory Drive, parcel ID number 84120500440, Volusia County, to the City of Edgewater, Florida, subject to the jurisdiction, obligations, benefits, and privileges of the municipality, amending description of the City of Edgewater corporate limits, providing for filing with the clerk of the Circuit Court, Volusia County, Volusia County Property Appraiser, and Department of State, providing for conflicting provisions, severability, and applicability, providing for an effective date recording and adoption. Open a public hearing. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name and address, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Okay. Council comments. Motion. Close the public hearing. Make a motion to approve ordinance number 2023-0-01. A second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. <coughs> Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-02. Elliott Meadows requesting an amendment to the future land use map to include 0 .30 acres of land located on North Quarry Drive as low-density residential. Ordinance number 2023-0-02, an ordinance of the City of Edgewater amending the comprehensive plan is amended by amending the official future land use map from Volusia County Urban Low Intensity to City Low Density Residential for 0 .30 plus or minus acres of certain real property located on North Quarry Drive, parcel ID number 84120500440, Edgewater, Florida, providing for public hearings, findings of consistency, providing for conflicting provisions, severability and applicability, and providing for an effective date. Staff report. Yes, sir. This is the second reading again. There is no additional information. Uh, staff recommends approval. Open a public hearing. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name and address, and limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing no citizens' comments, council comments. I will close the public hearing. Make a motion to um, approve ordinance number 2023-0-02. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-03. Elliott Meadows requesting an amendment to the official zoning map to include 0 .30 acres of land located on North Quarry Drive as R3 single-family residential. 
Ordinance number 2023-0-03, an ordinance granting a change in zoning classification from Volusia County R3W, urban single-family residential, to city R3, single-family residential, for 0 0.30 plus or minus acres of certain property located on North Corey Drive, parcel ID number 84120500440, Edgewater, Florida, amending the official zoning map of the city of Edgewater, providing for conflicting provisions, severability and applicability, providing for an effective date recording and adoption. Staff report. Yes, sir. Again, this is the second reading. There is no additional information. Staff stands ready to answer any questions you may have. Open the public hearing. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name and address, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none, council comments. Close the public hearing. Make a motion. Pass ordinance number 2023-0-03. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading. Ordinance number 2023-0-05. Carl Carter requesting an amendment to the future land use map to include 0 .06 acres of land located on Pelican Drive as commercial. Ordinance number 2023-0-04, an ordinance annexing 0 .06 plus or minus acres of certain real property located on Pelican Drive, parcel ID number 8402000200200, Volusia County, to the City of Edgewater, Florida, subject to the jurisdiction, obligations, benefits, and privileges of the municipality, amending the description of the City of Edgewater corporate limits, providing for filing with the clerk of the Circuit Court, Volusia County, the Volusia County Property Appraiser and Department of State, providing for conflicting provisions, severability, and applicability, providing for an effective date recording and adoption. Staff report. This is another second reading. There is no additional information. Staff stands ready to answer any and all questions. Thank you. Open the public hearing. <coughs> Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name and address, and limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. Okay. Close the public hearing. Is there a motion? I make a motion to pass ordinance number 2023-0-0404. It's 04. 04, thank you. 04. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-05, Carl Carter requesting an amendment to the future land use map to include 0 .06 acres of land located on Pelican Drive as commercial. Ordinance number 2023-0-05, an ordinance of the City of Edgewater amending the comprehensive plan is amended by amending the official future land use map of Volusia County urban low intensity to city commercial for 0 .06 plus or minus acres of certain real property located on Pelican Drive, parcel ID number 84020000200. Edgewater, Florida, providing for public hearings, finding uh, consistency, providing for conflicting provisions of severability and applicability, and providing for an effective date. Staff report. Another second reading. No additional information. Staff stands ready to answer any and all questions. Okay. Open a public hearing. Citizens' comments. Please approach the podium. State your name and address and limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. No, sir. Is there a mo close the public hearing? Make a motion to approve ordinance number 2023 0 05. I second. Roll call. 
Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-06, Carl Carter, requesting an amendment to the official zoning map to include 0 .06 acres of land located on Pelican Drive as B3 Highway Commercial. Ordinance number 2023-0-06, an ordinance granting a change in zoning classification from Volusia County R3W, urban single-family residential, to City B3 Highway Commercial, 4.06 plus or minus acres of certain real property located on Pelican Drive, parcel ID number 8402000200. Edgewater, Florida, amending the official zoning map for the city of Edgewater to provide for conflicting provisions, severability, and applicability, providing for an effective date recording and adoption. Staff report. Yes, sir. It is a second reading. Uh, there is no additional information. Staff's indicated to answer any other questions. Open a public hearing. <coughs> Citizens' comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. Close the public hearing. Make a motion to approve ordinance number 2023-0-06. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading. Ordinance number 2023-0-07. Jeffrey Arnott requesting annexation of 0.34 acres of land located at 3509 Rock Oak Trail. Ordinance number 2023-0-07, an ordinance annexing 0.34 plus or minus acres of certain real property located at 3509 Rock Oak Trail, parcel ID number 844901000170, Volusia County, to the city of Edgewater, Florida, subject to the jurisdiction, obligations, benefits, and privileges of the municipality, amending the description of the city of Edgewater corporate limits, provided for filing with the clerk of the circuit court, Volusia County, the Volusia County property appraiser, and the Department of State, provided for conflicting provisions, severability, and applicability, provided for an effective date recording and adoption. Staff report. Yes, sir. Another second reading. There is no additional information. Staff stands ready to answer any more questions. Open a public hearing. Citizen comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. None at this time. Close the public hearing. Make a motion to pass ordinance number 2023-0-07. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-08, Jeffrey Arnott, requesting an amendment to the comprehensive plan future land use map to include property located at 3509 Rock Oak Trail as low density residential. Ordinance number 2023-0-08, an ordinance of the City of Edgewater amending the comprehensive plan is amended by amending the official future land use map from Volusia County Urban Low Intensity to City Low Density Residential for 0.34 plus or minus acres of certain property located at 3509 Rock Oak Trail, parcel ID number 844901000170, Edgewater, Florida, providing for public hearings, findings of consistency, providing for conflicting provisions, severability, and applicability, and providing for an effective date. Staff report. Yes, sir. Another second reading. There is no additional information, but staff stands ready to answer any and all questions. Open a public hearing. Citizen comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. Close the public hearing. Make a motion to approve ordinance number 2023-0-08. Second. 
Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dabo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-09, Jeffrey Arnott, requesting an amendment to the official zoning map to include 0.34 acres of land located at 3509 Rock Oak Trail as R3 single-family residential. Ordinance number 2023-0-09, in order to spending a change in zoning classification from county R3W, urban single-family residential, to city R3 single-family residential for 0.34 plus or minus acres of real property located at 3509 Rock Oak Trail, partial ID number 84490100170, Edgewater, Florida, amending the official zoning map for the city of Edgewater, providing for conflicting provisions, severability and applicability, providing for an effective date recording and adoption. Staff report. Yes, sir. Again, a second reading. No additional information. Staff stands ready to answer any and all questions. Open a public hearing. <coughs> Citizens' comments. Please approach the podium, state your name and address for the record, and limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. None at this time. Close the public hearing. <coughs> Make a motion to pass ordinance number 2023-0-09. A second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-10, amending the police officer's pension plan to eliminate the line of duty health insurance benefit. Ordinance number 2023-0-10, an ordinance of the City Council of Edgewater, Florida, amending the City of Edgewater, Florida Police Officers Pension Plan, Section 5.04, eliminating the line of duty insurance benefit for police officers mm -hmm. after effective date of this ordinance, providing for conflicting provisions, severability and applicability, and effective date and for adoption. Staff report. Yes, sir. This is, again, another second reading. There is no additional information, but staff stands ready to answer any and all questions. Open a public hearing. Citizens' comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record and limit your comments to three minutes or less. My name is Peg Tanner. I live at 231 Los Dimas in Edgewater. Um, what does that mean to eliminate the line of duty health insurance benefit? Mr. Manager? Yes, sir. <clears throat> there, by state statute, there are specific injuries that a police officer and firefighter can sustain um, in, in their everyday duties. Um, at one point in time in history, the city went above and beyond that particular state statute and increased the benefits across the board. Um, in time, that particular change to the ordinance uh, was heading in a very bad direction as far as finances for the city were concerned. So um, we went to the unions, both police and fire, and asked, the, asked them to be allowed to take those extra things out. The people that were covered under that extenuating or extending ordinance are still covered under that ordinance, but no new members can go under the ordinance. That's what it means. Thank you. Thank you. Seeing no other citizens' comments at this time, council comments. Yeah, and just for the record, th this is something that the fire and police unions agreed to and voted on the state of Florida, if um, a police officer or firefighter becomes 100% disabled, they have this exact same benefit in place, and we will pay their life insurance or their health insurance for life. Well, the state so, would. I'm sorry? The state would. The state would pay it at that point. So anyway, so that, you know, it's not something we're just taking off the table. They voted on it. So. Close the public hearing. 
Is there? I make a motion to approve ordinance number 2023 0 10. I second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Item K, second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-11, amending the firefighters' pension plan by eliminating the line-of-duty health insurance benefit. Ordinance number 2023-0-11, in ordinance of the City Council of Edgewater, Florida, amending the City of Edgewater, Florida firefighters' pension plan, section 5.05, eliminating the line-of-duty injury insurance benefit for firefighters after effective date of this ordinance, providing for conflicting provisions, severability and applicability, and effective date and forward option. Staff report. Yes, sir. There is no additional information. It's the second second reading. This is almost identical to the last one that you just heard. No changes. Thank you. Open the public hearing. Citizens' comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record and limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. I did want to throw in um, as Joan had said before, is like this wasn't something that went without us talking to people. Like before we voted on it the last time, I went, reached out to the fire department and to people in the police department as well, and they were in agreement for it. When you read the, the item on the line, it looks terrible in writing, but once you know that they actually went back and forth and they agreed upon this, I think it makes a little bit more sense why we're just so okay to vote on it, and I just kind of wanted to throw that out there for people who are listening but don't really understand what's going on. That's it. Thank you. Close the public hearing. Is there a motion? Make a motion to pass ordinance 2023-0-11. I second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Okay. Second reading. Ordinance number 2023-0. 0-12, amending Chapter 8, Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan and Disaster Preparedness of Code of Ordinances by adding Section 8-19, Emergency Housing. Ordinance number 2023-0-12, in ordinance of the City Council of Edgewater, Florida, amending Chapter 8, Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan and Disaster Preparedness of the Code of Ordinances by amending <coughs> Section 8-19, Emergency Housing, providing for the placement of mobile homes, travel tra trailers, and other appropriate shelter in residential areas and commercial areas as temporary alternative housing, providing for a housing emergency declaration, providing for regulatory provisions, providing comprehensive plan and amendments where necessary for implementation, providing for conflicting provisions, severability and applicability, and effective date and forward option. Staff report. Yes, sir. This is the second reading, I believe, the last one. Um, there is no additional information. Staff stands ready to assist with anything we can. Thank you. Open a public hearing. Citizens' comments. If you wish to comment on this, please approach the podium, state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. My name is Peg Tanner. I live at 231 Low Stevens in Edgewater. What does that mean, emergency housing? Are you going to make a building available? Well, FEMA will. If you have an uninhabitable home, uh, meaning you cannot live in it at all, deemed so by the building official of the uh, government, um, then FEMA will come in, if we pass this ordinance tonight, FEMA would come in and offer you temporary housing on the property if there's enough room. That's all that it's doing. Okay. I noticed during the last hurricane, um, I I called to see if there was any um, emergency housing for 
people to get out of the storm. And uh, does Edgewater have emergency housing? You mean a shelter? Yeah, like a shelter. We do not. Um, uh, are there any plans to make a shelter available for a lot of folks live in uh, mobile homes here? Well, the county, actually, we rely on the county to assist in that endeavor. Uh, the schools are normally used for shelters. Um, there are certain criteria that the building has to uh, withstand in order to be a shelter. One of those, one of those is a generator. Um, and we found out uh, in the last, some of the storms, that some of the schools don't even have generators. But we do not have a school that actually stands the test of time, if you will, to be a recognized shelter. Uh, New Smyrna Beach does, uh, some of the larger cities, Daytona Beach, uh, things like that. Uh, this past year in the series of storms, the, the uh, county actually provided transportation to some extent to get people from one point to another to get to those shelters. Um. Are there any plans to create such a shelter for Edgewater? Not in the near future, no. Structure would have to be built that meets the code. And, and to go back to this too, um, our current code doesn't allow for recreational vehicles, RVs, to be in the driveway and be living in it. And this would allow it in a declaration of emergency. That's what this is doing. If your house is deemed unhabitable. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Susan Bailolo, 122 East Turgot Avenue. Uh, I have a question on, when you were talking about FEMA trailers in case of an emergency, is it only FEMA that can put trailers, or can you buy your own and put it there? Use? That is an interesting question that I cannot answer. This, this ordinance only pertains to FEMA operations. Um, would we allow you to use like a camper uh, or something like that in the interim? Um, the unofficial, on tape, recording, the unofficial response to that is we are not bothering people that do. Okay. okay. Now, at some time in the future, we will have to stop that. Uh, but we understand that people are hurting right now, um, and we, you need to be as comfortable as possible. So the code enforcement has been told to stand down uh, in those instances where people are using uh, mobile homes, or not mobile homes, but campers and that type of setup. And what about another, in another emergency? Say your, your house should burn down or something? Unfortunately, we have to approach every one of these um, as its own thing. Um, we can't do it any other way. They wouldn't allow it? No, just every instance has to be it's uh, case by case, case, by case okay. as to what we can do or what we would consider. Right okay. now, nobody is saying anything about campers and their use. Air conditionings, uh, extension cords running across your yard to your own plug. Well, they can be hooked up to electricity. And, uh, That's correct. Now, the FEMA trailers, the interesting thing to me about them is um, if they bring one in and they do have some mobile homes and they have campers and other things, uh, RVs, um, and then they have these, these mobile homes too, is that they actually send a contractor to your address once it's determined that it's not livable. 
um, and they actually uh, contract with those contractors to set, level, and connect the utilities to those new homes or those temporary homes. Right, but would the same be true of your own camper? I mean, some of them are better than my house. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're hooking your own up, again, we're not going to say anything to you. This, this would be a commercial type uh, conveyance. If you yeah. Would. But it wouldn't just, you wouldn't have to just depend on FEMA because I, they could only have so many, you know, trailers. They got a bunch of them. Well, how long would it take them, you know, to get one? That one I can't answer. I could, yeah, I could go out and buy one and have it there in a week. Then, so. They're not the fastest um, entities on the face of the earth, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Linda Cuthbert, uh, 1810 Red Rock. For public clarification, there are um, two schools in our area that are open for hurricane shelters. The school district announces in tandem with the Volusia County um, Emergency Operations, New Smyrna Beach High School um, is open if it's a Category 2. Chisholm Elementary, which has been recently rebuilt, is open at Category 3. All citizens anywhere in the county can attend and go to these shelters. They are only open as long as it's necessary when it, it's just an emergency. We have no cots, no showers. Everyone needs to bring their own equipment. The transportation is done by Littleshire County Schools buses. And they are able, and they are able to um, transport anyone who's needed. We usually have a school set aside for those who have uh, needs for health. We usually have one school designated throughout the county that will accept pets as well as for the general population. It is our, or excuse me, it is the Volusia County Schools, um, I guess, largest in order to say thank you to the community who has voted uh, twice now for the half cent sales tax. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, John O'Connell, Edgewater. Uh, if I could make a recommendation, I would vote no on this. Uh, the last thing I want to see is our streets turn into FEMA camps. I don't want to see FEMA trailers out. Uh, houses get messed up. People are going to take that. They're going to live in those trailers. Um, like um, City Manager Irby said, a lot of times when we have these emergencies, we're going to make allowances anyway. So I, I don't see the point if people can provide trailers, can provide that kind of thing of their own housing, if things are going on and they're trying to get it repaired. Uh, I live on Needle Palm. My street was devastated by this hurricane not advocating to bring trailers on my street. Um, the other thing is, I will say, if you want to adopt a comprehensive emergency management plan uh, for emergency housing, I might recommend working more closely with the YMCA. The city of Edgewater owns that building. There's tons of space there. Uh, also, I might uh, talk to Homegirls Realty Team or Salty Church or someone who probably did 50 times more for our community than FEMA did uh, at the last hurricanes. Uh, they were putting on events at the YMCA. A lot of you guys were there. We were giving out tons of supplies, giving out uh, food, all types of necessities. Um, FEMA was in our neighborhood asking people to sign papers. Might have made them feel comfortable, but from what I've seen from a lot of people around town talking to them, it seems like FEMA's done nothing for them anyways. So it just seems like we're going to get uh, five trailers. They're going to be dispersed throughout Edgewater, uh, and they're probably 
they're just not going to, I don't see that they're going to leave. I feel like a lot of people who are going to get that service, and when they get it, it'll be eight months from the time the hurricane happened. So if it were me, I'd just uh, vote no on that and uh, consider other resources in the city for emergency exit. So, I'd like to comment, but you can go ahead. Hi, my name is Haley Veza, 220 Wildwood Drive in Edgewater. Um, I had, you know, seen a lot of you guys in the public after the hurricanes, and I know we all saw everything that pretty much happened. A couple points I want to just point out is the last standing shelter for the longest time was the Ocean Center. And that was only a couple weeks after the last storm. The biggest issue that we had seen in the community is lower income communities were having a hard time commuting back and forth from the Ocean Center to be able to get to work, which if they're already on the brink of low income rentals, they're not able to even barely afford to find a place to live after that, let alone commute to work. So they're on the, the brink of homelessness. Um, transport was provided to the shelters, but not back and forth. Additionally, those who filed for FEMA housing have just received them in New Smyrna Beach. I didn't know there was an ordinance that would block this from happening to our community, but I think that we should push for our own shelters and allowances for dis uh, disaster relief to avoid future issues like this. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Haley. Seeing no further comments, council comments. Yeah, just real quick. I agree with the YMCA thing. I agree with trying to be able to identify or have a building that works as our own shelter. The YMCA, though, when it was built, <clears throat> does not meet FEMA criteria, correct? Right. Yeah, so the wind, I mean, the top portion of that building, I think, is steel. It's wind load is a big factor. Right. So it, it's like I know there was an issue. We bought impact glass windows for the Y to try to sustain during a hurricane, and we had to re-engineer stuff because the building couldn't even handle Right, that yeah, and we're still not the heavy, yeah. So, we haven't even replaced the windows because it can't sustain that. So, I mean, I agree, and I would love to be able to identify this. This, though, does run for 18 months, obviously, it's case by case. Um, and then you know, if somebody is still facing a hardship, I'm sure we could look at extending that on a case by case and basis, will, right? Yeah, so, um, I do this program, I think, is important, just like the point that was made, folks. If you're rooted here, you live here, you work here, um, now you have a house, it may not be your house, but you have housing on your property, right? Your kids can go to school, you can go to work. I think that's important. So anyway, that's all. Thank you. I did want to ask a question. I don't know if you'll have the answer to this or maybe um, Ms. Cuthbert will in the audience. Um, the question was brought up about our local schools. Do we know what else is... Is it just the fact that they don't have generators, or are they not rated at other standards as they well? They have to be uh, wind rated as well. Okay. And there's a, a plethora of other uh, things that they have to meet. Um, and it's my understanding neither one of the elementary schools reached that level. level. Okay. Um, where they are. You had mentioned the generator. I didn't know if it, if it was just like, I mean, albeit I'm sure it would come at a cost, but if it was just a generator that was stopping one of them is what I was, that's what I was kind of getting at. If that was just the one thing that was stopping it from being, to be able to no, be a shelter. So it's more than that as well. Okay. So it's the structural issues. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Close the public hearing. I make a motion to pass ordinance number 2023-0-12. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. 
Second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-12. Just need the one, one, one minute. There we go. 8M. First reading, ordinance number 2023-0-13, Land Development Code, LDC, text amendments to Article IV, Resource Protections 10. Ordinance number 2023-0-13, ordinance of the City of Edgewater, Florida, amending Article 4, Resource Protection Standards of Chapter 21, Land Development Code, providing for conflicting provisions, severability, and applicability, providing for an effective date, adoption, and codification. Staff report. Mr. Mayor, I'm going to ask Darren Lear um, to give the staff report on this one. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, as I mentioned, this is an amendment to Article 4, Resource Protection Standards of your Land Development Code. <clears throat> Excuse me. The pros amendments pertaining to this article are to Section 21-42.03b, which is clarification, additions, and deletions to certain definitions. Those can be found on pages 4-18 through 4-22 and Section 21-42.04. Additional verbiage regarding non-elevated accessory structures, and that is found on page 4-25. The Florida Division of Emergency Management has requested the pros, proposed amendments for the city to main, maintain its current community rating system, CRS rating. The CRS is a voluntary incentive program that recognizes and encourages community floodplain management practices that exceed the minimum requirements of the National Flood Insurance Program. In CRS communities, flood insurance premium rates are discounted to reflect the reduced flood risk resulting from the community's efforts that address three goals, the three goals of the program, reduce and avoid flood damage to insurable property, strengthen and support the insurance aspects of the National Flood Insurance Program, and foster comprehensive floodplain management. Your planning and zoning board recommended approval at their last meeting. Thank you. Open a public hearing. <coughs> Citizens' comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none, council comments. Close the public hearing. Make a motion to approve ordinance number 2023-0-13. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dabo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Resolution number 2023 R 05, Purchasing Policy Update. Staff Report. Resolution number 2023 R 05, a resolution of the City Council of the City of Edgewater, Florida, updating and resetting the City of Edgewater Purchase Policy, repealing all resolutions in conflict herewith and providing for an effective date. Staff report. Yes, sir. I'd like to ask the finance director, Bridget Vassier, to give the staff report on this, please. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Finance Director Bridget Vassier. So what you have before you with this purchasing policy, um, a lot of it is just cleanup of language, um, making sure that we are still in compliance with Florida statutes. Um, we have requested to increase thresholds for um, formal solicitations. Uh, some of the other cities within Volusia County are also looking to do so in the current economic environment, um, much inflation going on. Um, we are looking to increase to 50000 for the solicitation process, um, but we would still require uh, formal quotes uh, below that threshold. Uh, in addition, this is just updating the 
um, references to e-procurement portal, as well as the professional services contract. Um, again, the Florida statute language outlining suspension and debarment requirement, and then it replaces outdated federal guidelines, adds a section outlining suspension, it's apologize, replaces the outdated, outdated federal guidelines in attachments B, C, and D, uh, and the threshold for formal solicitation was last updated in 2009. Thank you. Thank you. Open a public hearing. Citizens comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. Yes, I have a few. Um, increasing from twenty-five to 50000 is that the bid process that we have to go for bid if it is, exceeds that threshold? That is correct. Okay. okay. Um, how many quotes do we still require if we're not going to get a bid? So we still require three quotes, quotes um, for all items, you know, 5,000 to 15,000, we require informal quotes, 15,000 to the now 50,000 would be three formal quotes in writing, mm -hmm. and then anything above that is a formal solicitation process. Is there a control in place to where we still have to take the lowest quote at that point, or not as much of it? So the formal solicitation process has uh, a few variables. So when it's an invitation to bid, it is the lowest <laughs> price. Okay. But then there are also times where we would have a request for proposal mm. or a request for qualifications. And so price would not be the only variable right. that There's is a considered. process, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. okay. Um, so we see here in the recommended action, which complies with Florida statutes, when when we're audited every year, is part of that auditing process purchasing policy or anything of that nature? So as part of the annual financial statement audit, they are looking at our various policies, making okay. sure we're compliant, um, mostly for internal controls, and then how that would then impact the um, statement of the financial statements and making sure they're material in all aspects. Okay. So we have an independent source for confirming that we're compliant and that these new policies comply with state statute? So a lot of times they're not necessarily looking for statute compliance, more so that we are following our own policies. Okay. Um, a lot of times they are also reviewing you know, the various federal requirements and statutory requirements as it relates to making sure that our financial statements um, state fairly. Okay. Thank you. Yes, sir. That's all. No further comments. Close the public hearing. Make a motion to approve resolution number 2023-R-05, purchasing policy which complies with Florida statutes. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Resolution 2023-R-04, approval and section of an agreement with the FDOT Highway Maintenance Agreement Contract Number ASF54-R1. Resolution 2023-R-04, a resolution of the City Council of Edgewater, Florida for approval and execution of an agreement with the Florida Department of Transportation, FDOT, State Highway for the maintenance of rights of way for contract number ASF54-R1, financial project ID 244621 one 78 02 Repealing resolutions in conflict herewith and establishing an effective date. 
Staff report. Yes, sir. The city has a contract with FDOT to perform maintenance <coughs> on the right-of-ways along US-1 and State Road 442. It expires on March 24, 2023. Uh, FDOT will pay Edgewater $12,688.75 per quarter or $50,755 per year through April 2026. The same amount as the last contract dated November 18, uh, 2019. So the recommended action before you tonight is a motion to approve resolution number 2023-R-04 and authorize the city manager to execute the agreement. Thank you. Open a public hearing. <coughs> Citizens comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record and limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. Yes, sir. Um, 2019, so this has been the same agreement or cost since 2019, correct? That's correct. Okay. Eggs are like $900 a, <laughs> a, are they a that box. Cheap? <laughs> so, okay, so $50,000 a year, that's barely an employee and a half probably to fund salary, insurance, retirement benefits. And during the summer, I mean, we have crews out there constantly, Sam. I mean, right, like crews of three and four, five, right, <coughs> out there 24-7. So I think there's probably an increased cost. And there's, we're in, definitely an increased okay, cost. Okay, and we're, we're basically, we're paying, we're giving FDOT free labor. <laughs> so, okay, so here's my thing with that. What is that negotiation process? look like and I don't want to I, I can address that. okay yeah I don't want to jumble anything I just yeah Sam, address that. Sam and I discussed this this afternoon um, and we both feel that negotiations would go nowhere um, and the reason why is is because of the way they actually take care of their own rights of way uh, which is nil yeah, they don't care they don't care um, we do care because these are the entryways to our city correct um, we double dog care, so to speak, because the, the individuals that are out here that you uh, have talked about actually care about the jobs that they perform. Absolutely. And that's the reason why it looks so good. Yep. Um, so we believe that we stand to ultimately lose both the contract and control uh, over those areas. Okay. Now, moving forward, um, after we get into this process, we can go back and have discussions with them in the future. Uh, but we're about to enter a growing season and we don't want to lose the way it looks. Yeah, because at that point, we wouldn't have right to maintain. They take it away from us, no. Right. Yeah. It's almost know. a tough pill to swallow, but the entryways do look good. I'd rather maintain our, our maintenance than not have it at all. Yes. So, okay, that's all I have. Thank you. Any further council comments? So pretty much the in Logan's terms, it's we, we want to take care of it anyway. We're going to take care of it anyway, so we might as well take the money from the state to pay us to do what we already want to do. And we will enter discussions with them going forward. I just don't. I don't want to be in a position to where you're going to give us more money or we're done, because we believe they'll turn around and say, "Yeah, you're right. You're done." Um, no, absolutely. And, and then they take it away from us, and then it looks bad. Yes. Yeah. I just think moving forward, obviously, we could talk about it. Absolutely. But, yeah. So thank you for looking into that, though. Close the public hearing. Is there a motion? Make a motion to approve resolution 2023-R-04 and authorize the city manager to execute the agreement. 
A second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Okay. Resolution number 2022 R 06 raising issues regarding the State Road 442 Interstate 95 interchange and supporting the request to the River to Sea Transportation Planning Organization TPO to place improvements for said interchange on the TPO priority project list. Resolution number 2023 R 06, a resolution of the City Council of the City of Edgewater, Florida, raising issues regarding the State Road 442 Interstate 95 interchange and supporting the request to the River to Sea Transportation Planning Organization, TPO, to place improvements for said interchange on the TPO priority project list, repealing all resolutions in conflict herewith and providing for an effective date. Staff report. Yes, sir. Uh, we all know that there are issues with the I 95 442 interchange. Um, that all belongs to the Florida Department of Transportation. They will not consider funding anything additional uh, or improvements thereon unless the TPO takes it up as a priority and puts it on their list. Um, all this resolution is doing is asking for the city's support uh, towards the TPO and placing that as high priority or as high as we can get it on the TPO's list. One of the things that um, staff is trying to get them to recognize is the need for what is called a divergent diamond. Um, I will let you look that up on your own. Um, it actually looks like something out of the Jetsons, uh, but it's pretty cool. Um, it costs a lot of money. Uh, it's been estimated to be somewhere between 23 and 25 million. Um, and we would like FDOT to pay for that. But again, unless it's on the TPO's priority list, it won't be funded. So that's all we're asking for is that support. Thank you. Open to public hearing. Citizens' comments. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. I can do that. Uh, my name is Glenn Storch. Um, I represent some of the neighboring property owners at this interchange. They're also looking at uh, what's going on out there. I know uh, how much the safety of that interchange, uh, how important that is to the city, uh, city council, to the citizens of the city of Edgewater also important to us, and it's also important to DOT. But DOT has made the distinction that unless this is on the priority list, even though it's on the long-range planning list for these improvements, they can't do anything. So they've asked us to, to move this forward. TPO is telling us to do this. They've got to get public support in order to do this. A lot of public support to put it on the priority list. And so part of this is the resolution that has been provided to you tonight. Uh, we're asking uh, Edgewater, I mean, Oak Hill to do the same thing because this is, affects all of Southeast Volusia. We'll be supporting it, and we'll be getting other folks as well. But anyone you can think of that could provide letters of support for this, for uh, the uh, cost of the imp these improvements, would be very helpful. And I should point out that one more thing we should add to this resolution is the bike trail. You have a bike trail right now all along 442 that terminates right at the interchange. That makes no sense. That bike trail should go all the way through that interchange and then connect to the entire system that's going to be developed on the west side. So that's part of this, and I think that will also help us as far as uh, getting DOT uh, support down the road because they have money for bike trails too. So that's, that's uh, what I would think. And again, we support it. I know that all the neighboring properties uh, in the area support it. If we can help, let us know. Thank you. Any other citizens' comments at this time? Um, 
<clears throat> Good evening, Mike Lopez, 2401 Swordfish Lane, Edgewater, Florida. Uh, we are the neighbors uh, that we, he was just referring to, and we're in support of moving this forward and getting all the help and support we can uh, representing this issue. So just wanted to confirm that. Thank you. Thank you. He's tour got evident and in regards to what they're speaking of it sounds like just a lot more development to me I don't think that's really what we need massive development so I would <coughs> say it'd be a good idea to nix it thank you any other citizens comments you have a interchange right now that has four lanes going into two lanes underneath the interchange to four lanes. You have a ramp coming down from the uh, interchange, from the interstate that is backed up oftentimes into the interstate itself. That's the safety issue. On top of that, there's flooding issues. During the time of the hurricane, this whole area underneath that area was flooded, and you had no way in and no way out in the city of Edgewater. Those are the issues that we're talking about. It has nothing to do with development, but it has to do with safety, uh, and uh, doing something that's right for the city of Edgewater. So I don't know what this is about. So just, I had to ex ex just explain that. Thank you. Mr. Mayor? Back and forth. I sure can develop. Uh, explain it. What the problem is, is all the over- Mr. Fox, you'll have further comment at the end of this discussion. Okay. You've already discussed one time on this agenda item. Thank you. Council comments. So, I'm sorry. Okay. So my my thing was this: I was elected in 2020, and even the years before 2020, you know, I've been backed up, not in the turn lane, but like stopped on the shoulder of 95. Mm -hmm. um, and it has nothing to do with whether or not there's more homes. It's dealing with what we already have, right? So. For me, um, as I was coming on in 2020, as I was elected, something that I continually heard was we have to do something in 95. Councilwoman Power and then also, you know, staff with TPO really encouraged FDOT to get that light in that we've done. I think that's helped relieve some of, some of that. Um, but for me, it's just making sure that we don't have people backed up for a mile down 95. That's all it has to do with, um, in, in my perspective. So... Um, that's all. <laughs> and I agree. Um, it is a safety hazard, and um, the way it was developed, or the way it was um, made, uh, you know, four lanes into two lanes, uh, we do get backed up. And I've also been on that waiting side, um, turning off of 95, waiting to, to get down to that light. And um, people fly by there 80 miles an hour and feel your hair flow. So I think it's just it's a safety issue, and I think it needs to be addressed. And I'm 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 happy that we have a C at the TPO with Charlotte that can be our voice to make sure that this is um, uh, put on the agenda as, as urgent. There's been more than one accident too, just for the record. Yes, I don't, I, um, my thoughts on it are as more as, I, I'm not seeing it as that being more development, I'm seeing it more as there's something that's currently there that needs to be fixed. I don't feel like we are expanding what we already have. I think we're just trying to make what we have better is my thoughts on what this looks like to me because I too have been stuck, you know, a mile back on the side of 95 with cars <coughs> zooming by and terrified and there's just 
we have to, and that's how it is now before, you know, there's more people that move to the area. And I find that concerning. And I like the idea of updating what we currently have. So, um, as far as this being on the agenda, this is, we've spoken about it, Mr. Manager, but I really have not seen what exactly we are submitting. Um, we've discussed about it. I was not positive that it or assured that it was going to be on this agenda um, item. I don't necessarily know 100% what we are submitting, so I do not feel comfortable at this time to submit it. The, the, the problem with waiting any longer is, is they moved some dates around uh, for submission. Um, we thought we had until, was it April? April, we now have until February 28th. Um, it's not our doing. Um, all we're trying to do is get in front of this as best we can uh, in order to make the area as safe as possible. If we miss this deadline, I don't know when we'll get another one. So is this, this is basically just like making the request that, hey, we have a problem and we would like you to address it? I'd like to put it on the priority list. Okay. So it's not necessarily that they already have all these plans that this is what they're going to do. We just want to be put on their list so they look at our problem. That's correct. Maybe 10 years from now. Well, let's be more optimistic than that. Mm -hmm. but. Is this the first time that it's been discussed at a council meeting to the public? No. Okay. Okay. Close the public hearing. Make a motion to pass resolution number 2022-R-06, uh, raising issues regarding the uh, State Route 44 Interstate 95 Interstate. Hang tight for the motion. Aaron, it looks like there's a misprint on the screen compared to... Yeah, it should be resolution 2023-R-06. Okay, I make a motion to, um, to pass resolution 2023-R-06, raising issues regarding the State Road 442-95 interstate. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? No. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Okay. Item number 9A, board appointments. Recreation and Cultural Service Board. Councilwoman Bennington's appointment of Carol Ann Germangio due to the open seat since May of 2021. Staff report. This is normally done by the individual council members. Uh, of course, Judy's not here. Um, but this would have been her request for appointment. So anyone can make a motion on this, correct? That's correct. And this is someone who is seeking reappointment? Uh, no, she's... Um, this is open, your first open. appointment. Oh, just kidding. Okay. Okay, citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name and address, and limit your comments to three minutes or less. Seeing no citizens' comments, council comments. I was going to say that uh, Carol Ann uh, Geronimo is, is very active. She lives in Edgewater. She's very active in the community. Uh, the Rotary, um, I think she'd be a great asset uh, to this board. Yeah, I would echo that. She has really impressive references, obviously her experience in the community. So, yeah, thank you. She's a very nice person. I read her application as well, and I, I had asked about her when I I always ask about the people that are getting appointed to things, and everyone had great things to say to her about her and said that she was very involved in the community. <coughs> great. 
close to the public hearing. Is there a motion? Make a motion to appoint Carol and Geronimo to the Recreation and Cultural Services Board for a three-year term. A second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Item 9B, Recreation and Cultural Service Board. Councilwoman Dalbo's appointment due to the expired term of Tiffany Evans, who is seeking reappointment. Staff report. That would be Ms. Dalbo. Um, well, I know uh, Tiffany Evers has been very active in the community as well, uh, living local. Uh, I believe she's been on this board for five or six years to date. And um, again, she's a great asset to our community and uh, she was a great help to this board. Um, so I make a motion um, to appoint. We, we do need to have public comment before oh. we start motion. All right. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the stadium podium. <laughs> State your name and address for the record, and please limit your comment to three minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. Okay. Is there a motion? I'll make a motion uh, to appoint Tiffany Evers, Ever Evers to the Recreation and Cultural Service Board for reappointment. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Item 9C, Recreation and Cultural Services Board. Councilman Powers' appointment due to the expired turn of Glenn Powers, who is seeking appointment. Staff report. Yeah, let's open it up to public hearing. We'll go to comments then after that. Okay, sure. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name and address, and limit your comments to three minutes or less, please. Council comments. Yes, sir. So, just for the record, Glenn Powers is of no relation. <laughs> we just have a lot of the same last name in town. Um, but I, I can't even begin to express all that that Glenn has done in our community. Um, with wreaths across America just for one, but then also with the Recreation and Cultural Services Board. I mean, he is tremendous. Um, he is truly, truly um, has a servant's heart. Um, I appreciate what he does. He does it with a um, genuine sense of service and love of his community. Um, I appreciate him and what he brings to the board and to the city as a whole. So um, I make a motion to reappoint Glenn Powers to the Recreation and Cultural Services Board for a three-year term ending October 3rd, 2025. Okay, roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Item 10A, FP 2203, Vernon Priest requesting final plat approval for Elegant Manor Estates. Staff report. And Darren is going to offer that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes, sir. This is the uh, final plat approval for the Elegant Manor Estates uh, subdivision located west of Silver Palm Drive and south of Air Park Road, approximately 27.69 acres. Proposed use will be the single-family residential subdivision. Currently, it's vacant. Your future land use designation is low-density residential. The subject property was annexed into the city in 2003. A PUD agreement was approved on April 9, 2007, and subsequently amended on June 1, 2020. The development includes 54 lots with a minimum lot size of 80 feet by 125 feet, 
which is consistent to the adjacent properties in Florida Shores. The preliminary plat was approved by City Council on November 11, 2020. A TRC pre-construction meeting was held with the developer, city staff, and appropriate utility agencies on May 24, 2021. And the final plat meets the requirements of the Land Development Code and the PUD agreement. And your Planning and Zoning Board recommended approval at their meeting in January. And you do have applicant in the audience tonight if you have questions. Thank you. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium and limit your comments to three minutes or less and state your name and address for the record. Chuck Martin, 205 Cherrywood Lane. Um, yeah. Are they going to maintain 100% of their water, put a berm around it, and build their own retention pond, or are they going to dump water on everybody else? By state statute, they're required to hold the water on their property. Good afternoon, Mayor and uh, Council Members. Two fan with Ackerman here on behalf of the applicant. Um, I also have with me the original engineer for this project, Rick Dixon, and um, the applicant, uh, Vernon Priest. If you have any specific technical questions regarding the plat, then uh, you know they're available to answer the questions. Um, as you know, and as staff had mentioned, this council had approved the preliminary plat, and what the final plat is, is just um, almost exactly like what the preliminary plat is, but with just more details. And um, this went before the Planning and Zoning Board previously, I think last month, and then also with staff review, they both confirmed that this final plat meets the requirements of the preliminary plat and the um, city's code. So with that, I um, respectfully request this council approve this final plat. And then um, I would like to reserve some time after public comments uh, before the uh, hearing, public hearing closes to make any rebuttal comments if necessary. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Peg Tanner, 231, Um The gentleman uh, before this woman um, asked about the flood plan for that development, and I would like to hear what that is. Mr. Lear, would you, would you like to comment? Well, they've done their requirement for, um, for the retention for that property. And you're... You're required by state statute. You can't shed any more property after you developed than was was uh, pre-development. I meant their flood plan. And apparently, someone is here who can speak to that from the group. Engineer of record. Hi, everyone. I'm Rick Dixon, 102 South Orange Street, East Myrtle Beach. Um, the property is not located in a floodplain. It is flood zone X, so it's not in the FEMA floodplain. And we were required to meet the, uh, as Darren said, the flood stormwater requirements for that. So we're managing all of our water on site with about a four-acre retention lake for this particular project. So it's a self-contained stormwater system. Thank you. <laughs> Any other citizens' comments at this time? Council comments. So I just want to make mention, what we're doing tonight is approving the final plat. 
we're not approving the development because that was approved when the PUD was accepted in 2007. I was in seventh grade, okay? So what we're doing now is inheriting the project, okay? Um, what we do up here is make quasi-judicial decisions. We're making decisions in lieu of a judge. When a judge makes a decision, they're doing it based on law, not based on opinion. So at the end of the day, all we're doing is saying, yep, your 80 by 125 lots in your stormwater plan is consistent with your original PUD. That's all we're doing. This was approved when I was in math class somewhere in the middle school. Okay, so just want to make that clear. That's what we're doing tonight. We're not approving the development. We're approving the layout. Just making that clear. Thank you, sir. And let me just say that um, also your land development code uh, states that if the final plat meets all the requirements of the land development regulations and complies with the approved preliminary plat, the city council shall review and approve the final plat and indicate its approval by signature of the mayor on the Mylar copy of the plat to be recorded. So city staff has already verified that the, you know, the final plat does meet all the requirements of the land development regulations and complies with the previously approved preliminary plat. Thank you. Um, so I, I have asked this question privately about different plats in the past and other also future ones, and I would like you to give the explanation to people listening so they better understand. Because I knew the land development rule says we had to approve everything in based on if they've followed the lines, not based on opinion or anything else. But I know a lot of people watching, oh, you should just you know, vote no on that because of this. What would happen? I would like to, you explain to them what would happen if we did that, if that makes sense. Well, uh, for you to do that, um, also under your land development code, you'd have to state the reasons for denial in writing. Mm -hmm. There would need to be substantial competent evidence that it does not uh, comply with the pre approved preliminary plat and or, and or the land development regulations. And that would need to be evidence in the record, of which there's none. Mm -hmm. um, if you fail to do that, then there could be litigation uh, that could ensue uh, over the denial. And they would win. Because if, uh, if, they followed, if they followed the lay of the law of everything they were supposed to do and they've checked all the right, boxes. exactly. So I just kind of want that on the record that it's not, it's as Jonah said, this is regardless how we feel about a lot of incoming development, this is stuff that's already been approved and this is just, I don't even know what the word is, what the term is I'm looking for. Routine. But yes, thank you. So, thank you. Thank you. All I have to say is I live on that side of Florida Shores, and I have a good friend of mine whose home actually butts up to that development. Um, he had no flooding during Hurricane Ian or Nicole. Um, I do, along with Mr. Irby, I go through at least new uh, developments. This is going on in Edgewater at least once a, a week, and I have not seen an issue with this, um, this development as far as containing their own stormwater or have received any complaints whatsoever about this development. Okay. Is there a motion? I make a motion to approve FP-2203. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. I'm going to have to call a brief recess at this moment. <coughs> Do you want me to say call to order? I guess so. Call to order?
Item number B, ZA-2301-2301. Dash Joseph Posey requesting an amendment to the Riverside Villas Planned Unit Development RPUD <coughs> agreement in the accompanying primary plat. Staff report. Uh, yes, sir. As mentioned, this is an amendment to the Riverside Villas Planned Unit Development Agreement located at 101 Falcon Avenue, approximately 2.67 acres. Proposed use will be townhome development. Currently, it is vacant. Your future land use designation is high-density residential, which permits 12 units per acre. In December 2005, City Council adopted a PUD agreement for the subject property. The agreement permitted 22 townhome units within three total buildings south of Falcon Avenue. The agreement was subsequently amended in 2006 to extend the duration of the agreement. However, the agreement has since expired. The primary revisions to this agreement include, but are not limited to, requirement of two-car garages, tree protection, open space requirements, buffer area, and street lights. Prior to any development, the applicant shall be required to obtain site plan approval, which includes a review of all required infrastructure, parcel layout, all applicable state and local permits, environmental and traffic studies, and all applicable regulations set forth in the Land Development Code and the PUD agreement. Your Planning and Zoning Board recommended approval of this item at their January meeting. And also need to uh, bring up that the applicants met with the uh, neighboring property owners. And so they have a couple of additions to that PUD agreement tonight, which is in front of you, which is on uh, page four. They added that a security fence will be placed along the southern boundary and that the HOA shall be responsible for maintenance of that fence uh, and that the entrance gate uh, may only be closed from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. to ensure adequate clearance and stacking for the project during daylight hours. And then on page 7, the developer has agreed to include a provision in the covenant and restrictions prohibiting the rental of individual homes for a period of less than 30 days. Mm -hmm. You have the applicant in the audience tonight. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item may approach the podium. Please state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I believe you should listen to the applicant first. Sure, we can listen to the applicant. Good evening, Joey Posey, 420 South Nova, uh, attorney for the landowner and the, de uh, the developer. He's wearing two hats. Um, yeah, and I think to echo what Darren said, there's been a lot of progress here. This has been a project that we've been working on for probably a year and a half now, and there's been a, a lot of nice touches, I think, that uh, I really do appreciate where we've ended up. And we brought along our exhibits here to kind of to illustrate a little better of what we're doing. And, uh, you know, again, I, I really like it, and uh, but I really just want to walk through a few slides just to give you guys a sense and maybe fill in the gaps of how we got here in kind of the, uh, the lay of the land a little bit. Um, next slide. So uh, yeah, as indicated by Darren, this had an original RPUD on the property. Um, it was 22 townhomes, didn't have any design requirements, so, you know, different time, different agreement. And um, so really it was you know, just boilerplate 22 units and laid out it in a very similar manner to how we laid it out now, but uh, with none of the architectural treatments and embellishments that you see here the landscaping was uh, just depicted generally in concept, and there wasn't any real concrete details about what was being proposed. So uh, again, this owner here decided that it was probably a good idea to revisit 
that RPUD with additional design requirements and try to do something that really complements what, uh, you know, in a little bit of an infill development, but at the same time, that's something that, uh, especially the neighbors, that it isn't going to be bothersome or that, you know, looks really nice, that can blend with the community. So, uh, you know, that's really the aim of where we were headed with this. And uh, the entitlements, Darren indicated, are it's high density re uh, residential, and just to give you a context, it is 12 units per acre. So, uh, you know, by comp plan, this would potentially yield a 32 units with the current entitlements. And, you know, interestingly enough, if you're in your city land development code, there's only one straight zoning classification that's compatible with uh, high density residential, which is R5, and that's a multifamily district. Uh, in which that's apartments and that's and that's not something that this developer is looking to do and trying to revive those entitlements on the property is a better avenue for us to get something that complements the neighborhood but at the same time doesn't end up with uh, I think something that maybe uh, just doesn't that's a lose-lose for everybody in that you end up with that R5 type development next to the single-family neighborhood uh, next slide um, it, another interesting point about this is that this is actually the lowest possible density if you do the math <laughs> that it's uh, you know the yield in high density residential is 8 to 12 and uh, there's a it's a metric of a lowest to highest so if you did the math 22 is the lowest um, and just to give you an idea too of what the differences from the last PUD are is that we've managed to design this with more open space so it's not as much impervious surface um, the four-car garage uh, parking requirement was important. We expanded the driveways. It's still two-car garage. That was in the original PD also, but uh, really wanted to make sure that there's enough room for folks to park. Uh, there's a limited duration of rentals, and I met with the neighbors, uh, the adjoining neighbors, on the 19th, and we had a very well-attended meeting. There was a lot of impact uh, feedback, and honestly, I thought it was a great meeting, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, some folks that, you know, this... Probably not, you know, development's development, but at the same time, if there's something to pick to live next to, uh, this is palatable. <laughs> so, um, the security fencing was something that came out of that meeting, and uh, the landscaping is something we proposed from the beginning. Um, you know, trying to beef up the landscaping was important, especially along that commercial bank parcel, and also for the neighbors, too. Uh, you know, something that came up in the meeting was the, the visual impact, and uh, these buildings are about 24 feet, so it's not a uh, it's not a substantial building. So, uh, and all of the, the the master bedrooms in the front of the of the house, and that's part of the uniqueness of the design too. Uh, next one. Um, like I mentioned, upgraded the architectural treatments. Uh, we're committing to this quality, so that's something that wasn't in the original PUD. So these uh, it w these are updated renderings, but. Uh, we have a uh, exhibit in the PD that spe specifies that these, this is what you know. What you see is what you're getting. Um, the there's sprinkler system throughout the whole build, uh, every building that wasn't contemplated. Uh, impact windows, impact doors. You know, talking about those hurricane force winds. Uh, the entrance gate was, an, I think, a nice added feature because you know, just a little bit of you know, sense of quality, but at the same time. Uh, we're not trying to stop people coming in and out too. If trying to keeping open during daylight hours, um, already mentioned that uh, met with the neighbors. Next one. So uh, really, that I, to bring it all together, that um, that's you know I imagine why city staff got to the conclusion they did, and why we've gotten some buy-in from the neighbors here. Uh, that it's a uh, a project that meets everything that we possibly could do under the land development code given the density. 
Uh, I do want to point out, and I made a promise to one of the neighbors that uh, you know, he's having, he had some issues with potentially the, I think the adjoining property to the south and how the water, uh, I think pool, it pulled in the back of his property, so it didn't flood any of his improvements, but I did make a commitment to him that I tell him on the record that I'm ha I will con we will continue to work with you. I'm happy to approach that owner and try to get some buy-in on trying to do what I can to help him, but it, it is an off-site piece of property that I don't have control over. But you know that assurance on the record I thought was important. I promised him I'd do that, and I, you know, I see him in the audience too, so. I uh, want to make sure that uh, I'm being transparent about that. Uh, other than that, uh, again, it avoids the difficulties of a straight zoning situation since there's only one, one compatible category. And I'm available to answer any questions. We have the engineer. I heard that uh, floodplain was a, mentioned, and this is not in the floodplain either. So this is not one of those situations that, uh, in, where you have a flooding issue. Uh, and I think even many of the owners can attest to that also. Uh, you know, even though the unfortunate situation with that corner piece of property that doesn't uh, mostly abut us. But uh, again, the owners here, engineers here, happy to answer any questions or, you know, again, we're trying to do the best we can and be a good neighbor. So that's it. Thank you. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name and address for the record, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. My name's Tom Bugash, 215 Falcon Avenue. I, my property ends up on the southwest corner of the plot. And behind my house, the art, uh, a church owns it in Orlando. And there's a, a berm that goes across the back of my house. It's probably 10 feet high. I suspect it was put up there to protect from the drain that's behind there. There's a drain ditch behind there. However, when the... Um, hurricane came, there's a wall for the rest of the people's property. So when the hurricane came, the, all the other people, next, all my other neighbors got no water. So the water came around the beam to, to the end of the wall, because I have a little wall, and then the rest of mine's just fence. It came around, and it came in onto my property, close to my yard, another 20 feet, I was underwater. I suspect what's happening is when that overflows, and it's going to get worse with more cement there, that when that overflows, it's going to continue, even though they're building it away, it's going to continue to come to that one corner. And it's apparently the low spot of the whole plot in that area, and it's all just coming, and it's coming directly into my yard. He, we talked, and... We suggested maybe asking the other homeowner, no, landowner, to um, possibly extend that beam to my wall. Um, I realize it needs cooperation from him or them, and I've called them three times and no return call back. Um, I, I'm almost positive if we have a heavy rainfall after he builds that I will flood. And I'm probably the only one it's going to affect, except maybe my neighbor to the um, south of me. It might affect them. The rest of the people got that wall retaining the water. Um, so I, I have an objection to this for that reason. I realize I'm the only one, but I needed the voice to the objection. 
Thank you, sir. Any other citizens' comments at this time? Chuck Martin, 205 Cherrywood Lane. Um, if I had a house along that right there, I would be furious if they were building a two-story because you're going to have people looking right down in your bedroom. And not only that, but that is high ground. It's not floodplain, which actually makes it worse because you're going to be dumping your water on somebody. If you don't have a berm around that property in your own retention pond, somebody's going to get your water. Definitely going to flood people out, but um, I don't really have a dog in a fight. I'm here to voice my opinion as a citizen of Edgewater, and this man that was just up here, he's going to be in deep doo-doo if this is approved. And um, But unless there's a retention pond and a berm around the whole thing, their water's going to somebody else. That's the bottom line. Joey Posey, South, uh, 420 South Nova, attorney for the applicant. And I, I probably should have delved into this a little bit yeah. in that uh, we are berming and we are putting ponds on the property and that the post condition will be better. And I, and, and I know that the neighbor feels very strongly about the situation and what's going to occur. I, I've reassured him it won't and that we have the engineer, we have the engineering that shows it won't, but... I, I'm also making that commitment to him that I'm happy to try to help solve the issue. So if it means reaching out to those adjoining owners, I'm happy to do so. But in terms of the site design, that it's it it is we even have the St. John's permit for it too. It's it's you know that's that's I can reassure you that part of this. And if there's any specific issues or questions you have about the stormwater, we have the engineer available who's happy to uh, delve into those. So it looks like that uh, southwest corner. Is a drainage and utility area the the southwest? Uh, no, it would drain into the canal, okay. which which is to the further east. Okay. So we'd be rerouting water back east into the canal. You have your plan with you tonight. Mm -hmm. yes, this is do. a very important issue, though. I think it was. And do you want to dive in? Good evening, Steve Buswell with Parker Minchenberg and Associates. So this plan um, is a combination from a stormwater treatment standpoint of both dry retention as well as exfiltration trench. So around the perimeter, um, there is a uh, dry retention system that will intercept any water that previously was headed towards the south, collect it and control it from a standpoint of the required volume that both the city and the water management district uh, require you to have on-site and retain, um, as well as the um, discharge rates. So, um, as Joey mentioned, this has already been through review with the Water Management District. Um, they have issued the ERP permit for it. Um, staff, I think, for the city has reviewed and uh, addressed all their comments and concerns. So, so behind every property, there is a 25-foot drainage yeah, there's a retention pond that um, in swale that uh, it's basically conveyance as well as treatment water. I'm sorry. It's on the plot. That's what I'm looking at. 
Um, I'm not sure which part. This is something. Is it related to a council comment? Oh, sorry. Are there any other citizens' comments at this time? No, sir. Sorry. My name's Eric Sider. Uh, I live at 203 Falcon Avenue. My house backs up to this property. Uh, I've talked to Joey, and he's promised us that the water is not going to affect us. I have the wall behind my house. Uh, I understand Tom's problem. He's down past the wall, which is unfortunate. Uh, but uh, I would much rather have this behind my house than this empty lot that has had uh, transients on it uh, for quite a while. The police have had to come and clean them out quite a few times. So as long as they do what they say they're going to do, I like the project. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Seeing no further citizens' comments, council comments. Ms. Gillis. I think that some people that know me know this is going to be a question I'm going to ask. Um, are any, I mean, for a local resident looking to move here, is any percentage of these going to be considered affordable or are we building more stuff that's kind of out of range for our locals? David, can you answer? Well, that, that's a tough question to answer because we're trying to, uh, you know, obviously tr bring up the quality of the development at the same time. You, you get caught in a catch-22 where um, sometimes the quality may outpace what uh, certain folks can, you know, whether the affordability marker is for certain folks. And, you know, the commitment to the neighbors is trying to do something that's a quality development for them and complement their neighborhood in some respects. And really that was the aim of where, where we went with this. So. You know, to give you a number or say that tomorrow the market's going to be some different moving target from where the housing, you know, what price is here, what price is there. I, do, I, I honestly can't give you that firm answer, but at the same time, to give you the intent of where we were headed, we, we really were trying to do something quality next to the neighborhood and, and do a, you know, an infill development, at least some justice being close to US-1 there. So, you know, trying to balance those is tough because I can definitely sympathize that, you know, there's those folks that are hurting that want to, you know, that need those, that housing, but at the same time, you know, making it affordable, but also at the same time giving the expectation of what the quality is of the development is really where we're at. Um, you know, it's not a complete answer, but that's probably the best answer I can give. And, you know, we'll do our best to make this as affordable as possible. It's just at the same time, you know, we want to make sure that what we represent to these folks doesn't turn into a bait and switch to them either. So to be clear then, market value. Yeah, I would, I would presume it's market value, but uh, again, that's not to say you're turning away anybody either. I don't know. This is me just at, this is, a, this is my next question is coming from the heart. I don't know if this is legally something that can be done. 
if you've made a promise to this gentleman that it won't affect his house, is there a way that you could incorporate that in writing somewhere that if something were to happen to this gentleman's property that you guys would do something? Well, yeah, and that's oh, that's the eight. Please hold the pauses. No pause. I, again, we don't have any issue with that part of this, that if we're discharging water onto his property, then yes, that's that's he has a legal right to pursue a remedy for that. So if, if it means putting that in writing in the PUD, happy to do it. Yes. So, uh, you know, and I know that gives him more assurance that there's there's more of a transparency to this. So if that's a condition of the approval, I'm happy to add it. Uh, because, you know, just to be fair to him, he's within his legal right to request that. And I, I, can, I can understand from his perspective why that's important. Yeah. Not just him, but the other neighboring properties as well. Sure, no, he, them he too. Is, he's the Correct. one raising the concern, but I would like to see it. The some other people of, have some assurance as well. Some sort of accountability clause. Yes. Yeah. Do we have to take a vote on that? Uh, I think the motion to approve uh, the amendment to the PUD would include that. Right. Okay, great. As a requirement. Right. I we need to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you can go ahead. Would we need to kind of make suggestions? Have an alteration to the document come back for a vote, or do we vote contingent upon the AG? Um, well, I mean, it's uh, to the preference of the council, but I'd imagine that something along the lines that uh, gives him a commitment that uh, there will be no discharge of water shedding from this property onto the neighboring properties is pretty straightforward. And if that's the language of the condition of the motion, we're, I'm happy. Uh, we're, we're comfortable with that, too. So. Um, Okay, yeah, just Aaron, from a legal perspective, if we don't see that document prior to approval, but we say, hey, we'll, you know, this is approved based on this condition, and we don't see the language, is there any recourse we have moving forward? Well, in second, we do have second reading also, so. No. No, not on that. No. Oh, it's a bit I apologize. <laughs> I yeah, would, the I would best course would be to wait until it's put into the PUD agreement and then come back. Yeah. Not that I don't trust people, but I don't trust people. So <laughs> I, um, I would, I would, my youth minister. I would rather see. I, I, yeah, and there's some other comments I want to talk to you too. So, um, I would like to see it in writing. Thank you. I fully agree. Anything else? I have a couple questions. Um, how, how many entrances will there be? It's just one entrance. Uh, there's there's very limited frontage off Falcon Avenue, but there is only one. Um, and also, will they all be home? Will they all be owners? And then they have the option to rent, but not more than thirty days. Uh, well, they're they're all intended to be owners, but we wanted to make sure that there wasn't an encouragement to uh, try to Airbnb and and try to short term rentals. So we wanted to add that restriction to be in line with what the county's restriction is, which is thirty day minimum. That's an interesting point, though, because I know there's a state statute that if we don't regulate short-term yes. rentals before a certain year, that we can't regulate it. So how does that fit into this? Um, the difference here is, is that we're making the affirmative representation that we're going to include it in our private covenants, which are not included in the state's purview of the state statute. So that gives you authority? Correct. To do that within the covenant? Correct. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. All my comments were answered. I was going to suggest what Ms. Gillis suggested. I'm dearly glad that you guys are working with that neighbor and the surrounding community as well. I'd like to say also that um, it's, a, it's a beautiful community, and right now it's an empty lot. It's going to bring uh, a beautiful um, area for folks to live, um, and plus the vagrants. They were talking. The one gentleman was talking about that's 
so big in Edgewater, and this is going to help alleviate that. Um, it's a win-win new tax base for us as well. Yeah, I just want to point out a few things. Again, this is another thing where, you know, existing agreement from 2005, this is enhancing it. This is sure. adding preservation. You have 40% in tree preservation and open space in this project. The other PUD allowed, what, 80% impervious coverage? That's insane, 80% impervious coverage. So, again, already an agreement there, but this is enhancing what's there. It's adding landscape requirements. It's adding streetlights. It's adding um, the, the tree preservation requirements. And does this, what zoning does this property already have? Is it the R5 already? No, it's still, it has the old PUD the, designation, okay. but the, I gotcha. yeah, but it's expired. Okay. So, you know, the density is less than what it could be. So those are all just, you know, sort of the highlights I wanted to, to point out real quick. Um, I will say, I have beef with driveway lanes. I really do. Um, again, we talk about um, projects that we inherit. And we've inherited a lot of issues. And if I had a dollar for every time I've had a resident say, hey, you know, I moved into the subdivision, but the driveway is 20 feet long, and I have to park in the road, but now I have a code enforcement case on me because I'm parking in the road. What do you want me to do? Because this was built this way, and really it's just, I don't know, parking the, like there's no good answer to give them. So am I willing to put my name on something that I don't think would be sustainable. Then you have folks in the road. Can you get fire truck through, right? Like it leads to like these bigger issues. So here's a question about the HOA. A lot of HOAs don't allow you to block the sidewalk. Do you know if it will be structured like that? Yes, it, we're not supposed to block because uh, we actually even uh, put a restriction in the agreement to this uh, put signage for no parking. So okay. there's always clearance. Gotcha. Um, I'd like to see 25 feet from the sidewalk. And, and part of the issue, and, and we can go look at this to see how we can relay it out. <coughs> you know, we're really constrained from the east-west with uh, the drive lane, and maybe there's a way that we could try to find a few feet or two. But uh, again, I, I just caution how much wiggle room there is one way or the other. Uh, but again, it's noted, and I, I we'll see what we can do. What is the current length from road to garage. And this is what I was trying to confirm. <laughs> it varies. Uh, the largest is 24 and the minimum is 20. Okay. So the shortest would be 20. And again, this isn't a public right-of-way. It's basically a private drive. So it's a little... Yeah, I still want a fire truck to get through though, right? Yeah, right. Of okay. Um... Oh, temporary flags. The PUD allows temporary flags until the development is built. What is the regulation on like banner flags for standard businesses right now? Well, say like on US 1 Ridgewood, you can have um, a grand opening uh, sign or like a special event sign, a banner sign, but it's got to be attached to the, the wall. For how long? 30 days. 30 days. This is a 10-year agreement. So it could take 10 years to build out. And now we have signs that we don't allow our regular businesses to have. 
So I would like to see that you can do a temporary flag for 365 days from the first issue building permit. First year. Okay. I, I just spoke with the client, and yes, that's that's something we can agree to and, and incorporate into the language of the PUD. Okay. Um, I don't know. Can we have a conversation about driveways? Do we think that's an issue? Sure. <coughs> Does anyone else have any feelings on that? I guess because they also have, because it's the two-car garage as well, so they have places to put the vehicles. So is the driveway just technically extra space? Right, but who parks in their in their garage? Well, that's true. I mean, I do, but <laughs> I do, but most people don't. So most people don't have room. Yeah. So I'm just concerned. It really is causing issues, like in our newer subdivisions with coastal wood is a nice nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. But where is this? Uh, uh, compared to other okay. other developments, is this a bigger driveway already? I'm just, I don't. I, don't know. I think like the one on 442, that deer Horton. What is that? 20 or 25? That'd be a Jeff question. Oh, I was gonna, are we able to ask Jeff questions about 25? Be able to get through this? It's a 25 driveway. <laughs> From road to garage, though. It's 25 feet from the, the property line, which is somewhere in the area of the start of the sidewalk. Okay. And that's what was discussed when this was up for review by staff is um, it's a private private road, so we requested that they put signage that, that prohibits parking on those streets, and that's one of the reasons why they came back to us with a wider driveway. So they have a two-car garage, and they have a wider driveway so they can park there. Okay, so this will satisfy this for me. Because it's a private road, do we have code enforcement jurisdiction? No. Okay. So. Not yes. not on the road. So somebody buys a home in here. I have nine people who live with me for whatever reason. I have nine cars that need to go in my driveway. But if I get an HOA agreement that clearly says I can't park on the road, I'm buying a property knowing that I can't do that. And City of Edgewater has no jurisdiction over it. Okay. We have limited jurisdiction. HOA has more more power than we would. Okay. So that's the responsibility of a consumer. Okay. I'll let my driveway be discussed. Thank you. <laughs> that's all I have. Thank you. Yeah. If we could work on the flag thing and then, yeah. So, thank you. Okay, great. Are we tabling this? Or yeah, there would be a motion to table this and uh, for it to be brought back with an, an amendments to the PUD, including the ones that Darren pointed out. Right. Then that's fine. We're, we're fine with continuing it to the next meeting consistent with the conversation and making sure that those are addressed in the PD uh, as discussed. Thank you. I appreciate that. My, my, thing, my whole thing was I just wanted to see that I really wanted, as Jonah said, I wanted to see that in writing just for. Yeah. So I make a motion to table um, item uh, 10B until the you know stated corrections can be made. Second. If I had a recommendation, could we make it a date certain for the next meeting? Because I'm most certain I could turn around those edits very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Do I need to restate that? Yes. Okay. So I make a motion to table item 10B with date certain of next council meeting, March 6th, March 6th. with the stated corrections. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. I do want to say just real quick, thank you for your flexibility. I do appreciate the project. Um, I appreciate the partnership, so thank you. Great. 
Item 10C, ZA-2302, Michael Lopez requesting an amendment to the Hawksgate BPUD Business Plan Unit Development Agreement. Staff report. Uh, yes, sir. As mentioned, uh, this is the amendment to the Hawksgate P BPUD Agreement, which is west of I-95 and north of Indian River Boulevard Extension, approximately 160 acres. Uh, the proposed use is commercial. Currently, the property is vacant. Your future land use designation is commercial. The subject property uh, located west 95 and 442 was annexed into the city on June 20, 2005. The BPUD agreement was approved by City Council May 6, 2019. However, the agreement has since expired. The PUD agreement allows for specific uses on the property which are conducive to and meant to serve the surrounding area. The agreement also specifies development standards, signage, architectural standards, and public facility responsibility. The primary revisions to this agreement include, but are not limited to, the addition of entertainment facilities and surf parks within the permitted uses, access specifications, and public facilities. All required infrastructure, including internal roads, sidewalks, Stormwater retention shall be the responsibility of the developer. And uh, you have the applicant in the audience tonight? Yes, he's here. Sorry? He's here. Yes, he's right there. <laughs> okay, we should hear from the applicant now. Okay, sure, applicant. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Um, he did all the work for me tonight. I'm just... Uh, Looking for a vote of confidence uh, and, and approval for this use to be uh, put on and added to the existing BPUD. It's exciting to bring to the city of Edgewater. Uh, I've lived here now for four and a half years, and uh, I um, have been a developer for 42 plus years. And I want you to know there's been some changes in the world of development and big box world and retail world. Uh, these type of uses are now the main anchors, and they're leading uh, as the main drivers for everything underneath. And that is your grocery anchored centers, your strip center, your entertainment center, your big boxes, etc. Um, we're excited about bringing this opportunity uh, to the city of Edgewater. Uh, it is not a water park, and I want to make that perfectly clear. This is not Disney World. Uh, this is a specialized sports entertainment venue that specializes in balance, education, training, and learning how to surf. Uh, we are going to be catering uh, to pros and to three-year-olds to 90-year-olds that want to learn how to balance and ride out on a 22-second wave. You'll never get that here with Mother Nature. It's a safe and controlled environment, um, and we don't have anything to worry about. We'll have it maintained and managed. We're going to be having 300, we're going to be creating 300 jobs during construction. We're going to be creating 50 jobs year-round, um, and uh, we, uh, we have 160 acres to build. And so we wanted to make sure that we started with this venue and introduce it not only here, locally, regionally, uh, nationwide, and worldwide. Uh, 
I've developed these in Japan for the Olympics. Uh, I'm developing in Brazil right now. I just have one that's up and running. We're building another one with that developer because of the economic impact that it's created. Um, so we know what we're doing. We have 50 patents securing uh, this, uh, this invention. Uh, and uh, we're proud of that. And we're in several countries and, and here in the United States. One being, uh, who would have ever thought, Waco, Texas. And uh, Waco, we put actually Waco on the map um, uh, and, and kind of brushed away, if you will, some of the bad name it had. Um, and families from all over the world go and visit Waco. So um, we're excited. You know, we cannot, we cannot build. I'm accompanied tonight uh, by my civil engineer, and if you have any questions with regards to anything, he's here. Also accompanied with uh, my partner, property owner, uh, Vince Snowden and Pam Snowden and uh, Colton Snowden, uh, because we do need young blood to, to, to move me aside. Um, I'm getting older. But um, I, I just want to share my appreciation for all of you in this city that I dearly have grown to love. And, and, and I want to help as a developer with all the history that I have. If you need me for anything, call on me. I will help you. Uh, with, with land planning. I'll help you with issues. Uh, Glenn and I have talked several times before, and uh, I appreciate you, new mayor, uh, very much. And uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Um, I don't know where to go from here other than I, I just would like a vote of confidence, knowing that this is going to be a great venue for our town and, uh, and, and many years to talk. It's hard to build and convince publics, I'm going to use them as an example, to come and have me put a grocery anchored center out there with no rooftop support. It's not like the old days. You would build and they would come. Not now. You have to have rooftops to support your development and, and your project. So we just would like to start with this venue. And, and, uh, and it's an entertainment venue that's second to none. Um, would you like to say anything, uh, Matt? Or okay. This is my civil engineer. Matthew Dallas of Mark Dallas and Associates. Well, I want to be on record. I was a surfer first before I was a civil engineer. Uh, but over the years of working with my dad, my dad's also a surfer. We, you don't have the opportunity to see a project like this come before you. Uh, not only is it going to be the first one in Florida the first one of this size in the United States. And as uh, Mike mentioned, it's, it's the technology is next to none. And I've truthfully looked at all these technologies, and it, it's amazing. So I just want to be on record saying that. If you have anything engineering-related that you want to talk about, we're all set. For the record, my name is Glenn Storch. Uh, I Are represent you commenting as a citizen or as part of the? As citizen. Oh, what's that's what I'm saying. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Thought you were part of the project. Okay, citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on the agenda item, please approach podium, state your name, address, and limit your comments to three. Mr. Mayor, 
need to ask the applicant if, they, if you have any questions of the applicant. The council. Does the council have any comments or questions for the applicant? Does that mean any questions I have for their engineer as well, or does that just yes. come for council comments? Yes, please. Um, I want to know more information. This is a. These are questions that I have seen raised online a lot. I want to know how, with, as far as all the acreages that you're using, like how much of like the area wetlands and trees that you guys will be preserving while doing this. Yes, uh, and um, I'd like my civil engineer to come up and answer those questions. However. Uh, um, 15 acres we're going to be utilizing. Um, we have been through a St. John's review, uh, and we're not impacting any wetlands whatsoever. Um, so, um, you want to comment a little further on that? You're building on 15 acres of the 160? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, on a land planning size. It's 15 acres. Most of it's actually pasture land, so pretty much I think about 50% of the site is already grass area. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're not impacting any wetlands over half acre. Um, the the land planning is it's about I want to say 600 feet from I-95. You will not be able to see it. It's about a quarter of a mile from 442. Uh, they envision. I, no one's been to Waco, Texas, but Waco, Texas has been put on the map. But as you go to these facilities, you're driving to pretty much a road that you don't know where you're going to come up to, and you end up to an oasis. The feel is there. They're not trying to flash it like it's a it's a big facility or anything like that. It's it's going to be uh, work well with the environment. You know, rural roads, no wetland impacts, very minimal tree, and they're also preserving a wetland on their west buffer line that stretches the entire way. So uh, we work with St. John's to address it, and that's one of the parts of a quick permit with St. John's is no wetland impacts. Some questions, but I feel like it's more directed towards staff. So is this now, or is it we're still going to do council? Yeah, you can answer. Ask Gloria. Now? Okay, the only thing, so we're basically doing a, a dirt road, right, that kind of goes out to the project. So I guess when we're looking at the whole BPUD, when then does that trigger road infrastructure? Who's responsible for that? Like moving down the line. It's basically a wait and see type attitude, um, which is probably not exactly what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, we staff this at length. Um, where they intend to put this road may not be the absolute end result for a road um, when other things are built. He's contemplating other things being built on this. You, you caught on to that you know, 12 acres and there's 160. He's got more uh, thoughts about the rest of the land. So that could change the entire layout uh, of where a road would go uh, and other infrastructure as well, such as water, sewer, and that type of thing. Uh, to put that type of infrastructure in, only to have to remove it at a later date yeah. is extremely expensive. Well, no, and that I understand. I just don't know if there's some sort of controlling instrument in the document that says, okay, when we get to this point, now that developer, whoever that is, is responsible for X, Y, and Z. We're actually looking at um, a few master plans. Okay. Well, traffic is going to be one of them, water is going to be another one, and how it's going to be laid out. It'll be a cooperative effort between the city and engineers. 
Um, this is just a tiny tip, I take that back, wrong, uh, of the entire iceberg. No, right, and that's why I'm kind of looking comprehensively at the right. whole thing, just kind of <coughs> how that's going to end up playing and all that. And we, we can't answer that question at this point in time. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can tell you is, um, is that the road will be stabilized. Yeah. Uh, it will support normal traffic, including your fire truck. Right. Um, so all of that's been taken, or will be taken into account. Okay. Um, kind of looking at development, I really have two main things that I beef with. The first one was sidewalks. We don't have, or not sidewalks, uh, driveways. We don't have that here. But is the duration of agreements, um, like you said, even in the beginning of your comments, <laughs> development changes, it evolves. So if we, I don't know, I guess if we approve a 30-year agreement, does that reflect where we are 30 years from now? I think a lot of what we're dealing with in Edgewater is dealing with agreements that were approved 20 years ago. They had a 30-year agreement. It's not how we would do it today. Um, I don't know if we could look at a 10-year agreement, you know, something of that nature. Um, not, I don't love long agreements. I think we can get outdated with intentions and design and so on and so forth. So I'm just putting that out there. Would, I guess this would be for the applicant. Would you have an anticipated start date or build date in the future, or uh, for for this uh, for this uh, surf park? Yes. Um, basically, uh, just to let you know how this works, um, I leave here tonight with this vote of confidence, hopefully, and um, I I get to work immediately. What we do is we finish our civil engineering, we complete it. Our structural engineering, we complete it. Our aquatic engineering. We complete it. Our architectural design, we complete it. Uh, when we get that done, then we sit down with staff and we submit for permitting so we can get going. Um, right now, we don't know exactly if, if we're going to get approval or not to add this use. But as soon as we do, we will move forward. It's not like we haven't been doing work. We've been doing a lot of work. We've spent a lot of money. I want you to know that this, this uh, is a $34 million project. It's not cheap to build. Um, and so basically, um, we're, we're looking for that vote of confidence so we can get going and complete what we've started. So I kind of want to separate the two issues. Like the wave park is one thing. The BPUD is a whole nother thing. Like you have to kind of like looking at the whole document comprehensively. Um, when does this trigger? It triggers when first building permits issued, and then you have 30 years to complete? No, it's it states 30 years because that's what uh, statutes state that you can take an agreement out 30 years. But no, they're required to con uh, commence construction within 36 months if the, it's approved. Okay. And if not, it states the developer's failure to initiate construction within the time frame identified here and shall result in the, shall result in the city's termination of the agreement. So what is, it's not. What is start of construction? What is that defined as, though? Like that's uh, when your uh, required water and wastewater services are put in. Okay. So when we put in, when infrastructure is installed. Correct. Then that triggers a starting point. Then that, yeah, that's, that's the start. And then they would have 30 years of that. Well, it just runs with the land for 30 years, right. correct? Right. But we're allowing them that use for 30 years. So, okay. And then 
So I'm sorry, this question more for Glenn is, so th this vote specifically is just about the pool itself and I know that there's future plans that they, other things they want to possibly do for the property. We are only voting on the one item, not what else. This is this is the whole BPD. It is, but it's adding this particular It's use. adding the use. That's what I'm saying. We're kind of putting the two issues yes. together collectively. But they're still two separate things at the end of the day. So I'm not concerned about the wave park. I'm concerned about the contract as a whole. I agree. So. You're concerned that the, the 30 year is too long? Yes. I fully agree. The wave park's fine. I'm looking at the whole BPD though, so. You know, and, and that's really dictated by the rooftops. So it's gonna be hard, you know, like I was saying before, it's hard for us to build something when it's not supported. Um, you know, not only by the city and its growth and its period and time line, but uh, the, the rooftops supporting everything. We just can't just, you know, go vertical and have it sit um, and not operating. So, mm. and that's kind of why these 30 year plans are all up and down the state and every municipality and county. No, I understand why they exist. Yeah. I just don't know yeah. the practical. So, from looking at, you know, where a city is 30 years ago. So 30 years was 1990, what, you know, I mean, so, you know, it's just, it's kind of looking at like, where were we as a community 30, 30 years ago? Yeah, so. Um, I'd be willing to go to 15 years for the BPUD. I think that's going to depend also on what that ending would look like at the end of, of 15 years. I mean, what does the applicant have to lose at the end of 15 years if nothing works? I guess that really answers for itself. Uh, it would be nothing. Um, right, and then it's a revisit to the project, right? So that's what I'm getting at. Would that be allowed at the end of your 15-year term? It's just a reapplication, right? I'm just making sure that that's in there. Yeah. I mean, as a staff, we have to look at both sides. Um, I mean, he's going to be wanting some assurances that he can reopen it, uh, that it doesn't just automatically terminate at the end of 15 years. Mm -hmm. Of course, the ultimate say is up to you. So. Yeah, um, you, you know, we want to work with the city, uh, all right? And uh, we know what we have existing, and we know the, the time frame in which we have. Um, but we we need to we need to collectively work together and understand his concerns and and the city's concerns and and our concerns as developers and work together. I mean, I I'm I'm uh, I'm the 15 bothers me a little bit. 20 uh, versus the 15, um, I think, is a good compromise. <laughs> So, yeah, and the only thing I'll say about that, too, is, you know, Deering Park, when the first PUD was adopted, what, 2007? When was the first PUD for Farmton? That's correct. Yeah, and, and then we had to revisit that, and that was only, you know, what, 15 years later, you know? So, um, I don't know, just putting it out there. At this point, I guess, you know, we're looking at commercial space, we're not looking at residential space, so I guess you kind of have to just 
choose your battles and see what really affects something. So that's fine. Well, there definitely has to be a balance. I mean, there has to be a draw for people to come to this area. Uh, the wave pool does that. Uh, when they come, they're going to be looking for support uh, services, um, which would be possibly hotels, restaurants, um, um, a uh, food, uh, a Publix, you know, that type of thing. Um, and he's right. The way it is now, or it used to be, is that you build it, they will come. That's no more. There has to be a, a, an ulterior reason for them to come. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Sure. This kind of goes back to my question before about, this goes back to the engineer about with the trees and the wetlands. Now, if as of right now, there's, you said there was so much that was being preserved, is that going to continue with the other building plans? Is that something that will be in the writing that so if you're, if you're also planning on building X, Y, and Z, that that is still preserved? Absolutely, yes. Some, some parts of it will. All of it that can be. We'll okay. preserve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we're, we're not, um, we're not, we don't have a history of mowing down, if you know what I mean, and planting one little oak here and one little oak here. We're working with neighbors that uh, actually want to do something spectacular for us out, out west. And, mm -hmm. um, and I've been working along with Ernie Cox. Um, we've been looking at communities all over the state. Uh, and we're, we're, we're a part of their commercial amenity. Uh, feature so uh, we want to do things right and want it to look fantastic um, and my partner uh, you can't get him to cut a tree even if it's in the middle of the road he just won't do it so um, and, and and I'm not calling him a tree hugger he just loves preservation he loves natural uh, look and and I'm right with him I'm an old Florida boy and I don't like things mowed down it makes sense. Most of it is fields, correct? It's already been cleared for a while. Most What's that? Most of it is fields, right? Like yeah, it's most field. And anyway, and and we're talking about because of the the infected issues with the trees and uh, and and the fires uh, that we've had to endure and, and things like that. So, so Darren, minimum tree protection requirement consistent with LDC is that same for commercial as it is for residential? Correct. So fifteen percent. Correct. Tree preservation. Yeah. Okay. And how many trees are even there? Because we just ordered that one. So, yeah. Okay. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to speak on this agenda item, please approach the podium, state your name, address, and limit your comments to three minutes or less. All righty. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, my name is Glenn Storch, and I do represent all the landowners uh, adjoining this parcel. <laughs> and so, and as as we've just discussed, uh, they have been in constant communication with us because we believe that the whole area west should be developed with a very high scale, uh, high scale of preservation, high scale of development, uh, everything we're looking at. To answer some of the questions that were raised, as a matter of fact, if you look at the uh, Hawksgate PUD, one of the things that's attached to that is a roadway concurrency agreement. So for every project that comes in to Hawksgate, this is the first one, you're going to have to, uh, they have to review this with the neighbors to make sure that, that it does not address, it does not exceed concurrency. And if it does, that we have to find some mechanisms to uh, deal with that, uh, roads, uh, utilities, et cetera, so that we're not 
uh, getting behind. And in this particular case, we've done that. We've reviewed that consistent with that term, the term of that agreement. We have given you a notice that we find it consistent, that there are no issues, that there is a, it's a very minimal <coughs> number of trips, as a matter of fact, generated by this phase one, which is 270 trips per day. Now, but we make it clear that this is just for phase one. So as every other phase comes in, as other changes come in, we will also review it. We'll review it for traffic and everything else. And I'm sure you'll be doing the same thing because it requires us to then come back to you with those things. So that's, I think, to answer your question yeah. regarding the, the roads and everything. There is a mechanism. Very good. There is a mechanism to, to deal with this on a phase-by-phase -phase basis and a project-by-project -project basis. When we did this, or when they did this Hawkscape project, we didn't know what was going to happen, you know, how this was going to go in, what was going to go in. It could be something massive, and it could really take all the trips away. So as a result, we've worked <coughs> out this deal where we can all look at this together on a phased basis as things come in little by little. And in fact, uh, as he's indicated, we are very interested <coughs> in the vegetation as well. We want to make sure that entire area, that entrance corridor, is heavily vegetated. So that's important to us as well because that's how that will be the gateway to this part of Edgewood, and that's important to us. So, but based on this, I've got to tell you, when I when I came to New Smyrna uh, years ago, it was clear to me that this area ran on surfing. That was simple as that. Everyone I met was a surfer. I'm sure that Aaron has met a few of them himself. And so surfing is just ingrained in this community. And now we have a determination by somebody who says that New Smyrna is the most dangerous beach in the world, <laughs> or in the United States. I find that fascinating. Here you have the potential for something in Edgewater that will be the safest surfing venue in the entire state. I think that's something special. And I think it's something special that we should all be proud of and that the, the fact that it's coming to Edgewater would be really cool. Thank you, Mr. Storch. You're welcome. <laughs> hey there, Jim Fox, 115 East Torgat Avenue. Now, guys, the last time that uh, I looked at this, you guys were all elected to represent the people of Edgewater, not developers. Mr. Irby was hired to run our town. We're going to put this. This is a beautiful development, okay? Uh, it would be a great idea and a great resource for some place, but not for Edgewater. And we look at everything that's going on here, and our illustrious city mayor or manager over here is going to manage all of this. He can't even manage the city of Edgewater that we have now. He can't even control all Florida plumbing. He doesn't even know what's going on over there. It's a joke. This is okay. related to this agenda. Yes, it is. It's all related, okay? So what I want to know is, with this water park here, what is it going to do for the residents, for the citizens of Edgewater? The citizens of Edgewater are primarily live in Florida shores. How much time is Mr. Irby, who's apparently already taken up quite a bit of time with these two gentlemen, uh, I'm wondering how much time he spent solving all the problems over at Florida Shores. I don't see anything going on over there, just like I don't see anything going on positive with all Florida except for them using all their property out of code and illegally, which you endorse. Unrelated, You're going to allow Mr. the Bob. same behavior over here with these gentlemen. So what I would like to know and say 
Previously, we were talking about the freeway. The point I was trying to make is growth begets growth. You can build all the roads that you want. And when you build the roads, what happens is guys like this come in and they build more water parks and they build more homes. And then guess what? You need to get more roads. All you have to do is look at South Florida. I remember when they were small roads. I remember when they were dirt roads. And they're now eight-lane highways onto I-95 with all development. People didn't come to Edgewater for development. People came to Edgewater to get away from the rat race, not to uh, you know, be in it. When you get a development like this, these guys are great. It's a great project, okay? It will attract people from all over the world, okay? Of course, we don't have a beach in Edgewater where anybody can surf, okay? We don't have the infrastructure, okay? We don't have the hotels. We don't have anything else. We don't even have the on and off ramp. People are already getting killed out there. And now you're going to build this? Plus, we don't know, okay? He's, not, he's got all this extra lean. He's putting up the attraction. He's not telling us what's going to come later. And then, of course, for Mr. Storch over here, the interchange would be great for his development out there at the Farmton or whatever you call Thank it. Thank you, Mr. Fox. So it's a really, really bad idea. Plus, all the traffic is going to create you, on, on 442 and US-1 is horrible. And people come to Thank Edgewater you, here for the river, not for the beach. My name is Peg Tanner, and I live at 231 Los Dimas. Um, when Mr. Lopez um, started um, his presentation, he said that the wetlands would be preserved. But then uh, later in the presentation, he said as much as possible. And I wondered, what changed? And are we going to preserve the wetlands or not? Guaranteed, we will not impact wetlands. It's not going to happen. We already have a wetland study on this 160 acres. So we know how to develop. We know exactly how to preserve. And um, anytime you want to sit down, I can show you this impact field. I can show you the wetland field. And it's minimal on this 160-acre site. You had a St. John's review. Have they issued a permit yet? Uh, permit should be in our hands uh, in a week or 10 days. Uh, Colton Snowden, 214 Kirkland Road. I'm actually the owner-developer's son, and I'd just like to say uh, comment on what the gentleman just said up here. I'm sorry. This. He asked what it would do for the people of Edgewater. Well, I think that a lot of kids growing up in the city would now have something to look forward to, to be proud of, maybe to think I could actually learn to do something that's brought me, many of my friends, people around the world, tons of joy. Sometimes I think about when you live here, there's not a ton for kids to do. A lot of my friends suffered this growing up. Some of them got into bad things, some of them didn't. That's just sometimes the person. But one thing I think is that surfing is not a distraction, but it's an outlet for creativity, for passion, for love, for friendship, something you can do and have fun at. So, you know, just being able to go and surf in your backyard in Edgewater when you would never have that opportunity as a child. And then going forward, I don't see why 
I'm 26 years old. This is obviously going to be my life for the next couple decades. Um, the first thing I think about is doing something that will make uh, my family and friends proud of what we're doing out there. And that involves community outreach, scholarship programs for kids who want to learn how to surf who never would before, you know, maybe certain days out of the month that you can bring them in and teach kids how to surf from lower income housing who would never have an opportunity like that in their entire lives. Thank you. I'm Vincent Snowden, 2103 Ocean Drive in New Smyrna Beach, and um, I've we moved here to New Smyrna in 1960. <laughs> so I've been around here a while, and not a big developer, whatever. I'm lucky to inherit part of this land and purchase the rest of it from other heirs, and with this project. It's a small piece of the, the property. What will happen in that property in the future is dependent on all kinds of things that I have no control over and we can't predict. But this is a small portion of the property. There's no wetlands on this piece. Half of it I'd converted to hay fields. And of course, that's where they wanted to put this thing. So that's just the way it ends up. Um, tiny little piece of wetland in this that St. John found that we are, it's less than a tenth of an acre or something. And this is just the use approval of this. It's, surfing's a great healthy sport. I started in the 60s. <laughs> and this was a little bitty town then. And we didn't want anybody else to move here because we didn't want more people out. And and some people don't want anything to happen, nothing to change. This is out at the interstate. It's not going to be crammed down the citizens. If they never want to go out there, they can make that choice. Uh, the interstate intersection has to be improved anyway. Ours is stretched out through the whole day. It's not a certain hour that traffic's going to be you know, impacted by us. Um, and that's all this is. This isn't a, a turning this into some big city or whatever. Um, people come all over the world have come to go to Waco, Texas. And when Baylor, I was there in August when Baylor was out, and it was like a ghost town. Yeah. Here, yeah, New Smyrna has more restaurants and things like that to support some of the visitors. They'll get a lot of the overflow. I can't imagine that the river is going to be crammed with people that came here to go surfing at this event. You know, so that's all it is. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hi, Susan Palillo, 122 East Turbot. Uh, I'd just like to know what would it cost to enter the park? And do you think there's enough children that can afford it in the area that they could go a couple times a week? Or is it going to be something like Disney where you get a trip once a year, but it's $100 or more to get in, uh, that the kids have to pay 
and they're going to have to be accompanied, <coughs> excuse me, by parents, and it'll be a family thing. Uh, it's an expense, and people here, especially just for the area, to make these kids happy and give them something to do, they're not going to be able to afford this, to go and keep something like this going. It will have to be people coming from all over. Thank you, ma'am. Mr. Lopez, would you like to answer that? Please, no applause. Uh, this is going to be an affordable ticket price and entry price. This is going to be an affordable family destination. So you can see energy and waves being moved in crystal blue water with a beach surrounding it. Um, Could you give a ballpark figure? What you're thinking? Well... I don't want you to hold me to this because we're really going to have to study our marketplace, et cetera. But we're talking about $80, $85 for an hour that you will not be able to complete. Even pros will contact me and say they cannot complete their session. When you go out to the peak here in New Smyrna Beach and you surf, you sit for four to five hours to catch three waves that are two foot, three foot. Here, you're every six seconds a wave is generated from eight feet controlled by software down to a foot for learners, for beginners. And you will surf and surf and surf and surf and you cannot surf anymore. You'll way get your money's worth. We're going to have training facilities here, education facility here, we're excited. We're going to have the Special Olympics here. We're going to have the Junior Olympics here. We were a part of the Olympics, first ever in the history of the Olympics. Surfing was allowed in. And we were the training facility for Japan, for Brazil, for the United States to go and surf the, the park that we have in Japan, specially built in time for the Olympics. So... There's a lot of things that we're going to be doing out here and uh, a lot of activities that we're going to be creating with schools to come on out. And, and it, it, like I said to, to you before, it's, it's, it's going to be a great place for all. We're not wanting to uh, hinder anybody's ability or financial ability to come. We'll work out some type of program. So I respect what she just said, and I respect... The others that have come up as well. Um, I understand. I'm a citizen here in this town. First, I'm a developer. Second, so again, I appreciate you, and I appreciate every citizen here. Is that written in stone that you have scholarship programs? What's that? Is it written in stone on your future plans that you will have scholarship? Without programs? question. Yeah, not only for the uh, the sport of surfing, but for work as well. Right. Okay. So we want to work with the local schools so young people can learn about business and how to operate, whether it be mechanical or whether it be administrative. So, and uh, I, I just want to say one last thing, unless, unless you're not done with me. I appreciate the staff here in Edgewater. I've been doing this for a long time, and they are second to none, including this man sitting in front of me right here and the entire staff 
here and others that aren't here tonight. I appreciate them, and they do work hard. And uh, so, anyway, I'm done. Thank you, Mr. Thank Thank you. Jennifer Fox, 115 East Torgot. Um, I seriously question the affordability of the local kids here in Edgewater. You just mentioned $85 for an hour. Um, I don't know a lot of kids who couldn't afford that. Uh, I think that the, the, the focus of this is to bring outside people in. And you talk about redoing that interchange out there at 442 and I-95. What impact is this going to have? After you've done that, what kind of a change are you going to have to make at that intersection at that time? I mean, I just think it's going to be a huge impact on all these people, people coming from all over the world to Waco, Texas. We want people from all over the world here in Edgewater. I don't. I don't. I think a lot of people don't. I think it's really going to impact our town tremendously, and I'm concerned. Thank you. No pause, please. My name is Jamie Porter, 1804 Sable. Um, I understand this is going to be an expensive and professional complex, but again, like everyone else has kind of said, with the rates, is there going to be any kind of discount for local kids or passes available for them at a local more affordable level and also the scholarships for kids are that for is that for local kids here is that for kids for all over who are coming from out of area out of state and where is the money from the uh, scholarships coming from that's my question uh, yes to both citizens um, thank you um, for your comments and your questions uh, yes we will be considering a discount program for locals Yes, we will be considering education scholarships for locals, regionals, and worldwide. So uh, we, we are we're in our infancy stages of, of planning all of that. So uh, basically, when you do spend that kind of money, I understand it sounds like a lot of money, but it's a month, probably sometimes a year's worth of surfing in one hour. It's in, an incredible experience. And Aaron, I think you know that. Um, it's, uh, um, look, we're here to, to be good citizens, and we're here to, to accommodate and, 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 and do the best we can to accommodate. So, You are planning or you are considering? What's that? You are in full plans of that or you are considering? That is your goal, or you're that's just our goal. It? Yeah, okay. it's our goal. Yeah. Are there any other citizens' comments at this time? Hey, everybody. Chuck Martin, two hundred five Cherry Wood Lane. Um, heard a lot of good comments tonight. Um, I think the, we'll be using some reclaimed water out there, maybe, to help keep from dumping it in the river. I think the pipes are already out there. I know that's the plans. Um, 
Jim made a good point. <clears throat> you have to have hotels out there, um, and they know it. They got to have hotels before they bring all these people in. And I think the rules are going to have to change on that. You can't build two-story hotels out there. It's not feasible. That's going to have to be changed. The interchange is going to have to be redesigned out there. There's a lot that's going to go into it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think uh, growth is, is inevitable, is going to happen one way or another. Um, but, you know, um, I think Randy Richardbird would be happy. Uh, build some surfboards out there, the old buddy of mine. Um, I, I just, I see a lot of positives in it, really. I, I mean, I do. Um, I don't honestly think it's going to impact me as a here in the Edgewater other than when I go to work in the morning, but I don't think they'll be out there at 5 or 6 o'clock. But there's a lot of, that has to be going to it, and that's, I think that's why they want the timeline that they want because, I mean, without hotels and restaurants and stuff, they're not going to build this thing, you know, but I think it would be something pretty cool. Um, I don't I don't see anything negative from this. <clears throat> really? I mean I mean I don't um I just I wonder why they want to build it in Edgewater, maybe because of the price of land. Um seemed like the feasible place would be in New Smyrna, but I don't think there's much land left out there. I mean I don't know, but it's already so packed up that you might not have the room for it. But um I mean I I don't really have a problem with it, but um, there's a lot more that's got to be considered. You know, the the hotels and the restaurants and everything that's going to come. I think it's all going to kind of maybe kick off at the same time, or maybe they'll come in a little bit later. But they, I think, they just want a little assurance that you know we're okay with it before they dump all this money into it. I mean, I, I can kind of see that too, and I can understand where Jim's coming from. You know, maybe work a deal where. Uh, We'll let them bring it in if they can fix the, the plumbing thing down there. Y'all have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Martin. Are there any other citizens' comments at this time? Seeing none at this time, I'll open it back up to council comments. Would you like to table it to go to discussion for 20 minutes? No, I'm okay. I Okay, is there a motion? I'd like to, oh, uh, oh sorry. Well, no, I, I think I just want to make a few comments. Um, I think it's great that uh, they've chosen Edgewater to come to. They could be anywhere in Florida. And what will it bring to Edgewater? It's going to bring an economic impact that's going to um, help us. It's going to help with the tax rate. Um, right now, the, you know, we could use businesses in town. And this is going to take up a property. It's going to, it's going to help. It's going to bring 300 jobs to build it, 50 jobs year-round. That means 50 of our kids, you know, are... Professionals that live here will have an opportunity to stay here in Edgewater and have to travel to DeLand or Port Orange or Orlando. There's opportunities here for us. Um, I, I just think it's a great program, and I would love to see some programs out there for, for schools, you know, field trips. I mean, that's, that's going to be big. And if a family of four goes, the only one person wants to surf, you know, three of us on the beach with a baby, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's going to work um, uh, as far as pricing goes, but I'm sure that'll all work out. But um, I just feel it's, it's a positive uh, step for Edgewater, and I think it's going to be um, an asset for us. And 
I think the citizens uh, will uh, partake in it as well, as well as you know people out of you know out of the town and out of the state, uh, worldwide, and and the training that's going to come to this place, uh, Special Olympics. You know, it's 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 good. It's it's great for Edgewater, and I don't see anything negative um, to say about it. I just I'm hoping them that we can make work out some programs. You know, for for affordability for um, the people who live in Edgewater. That's all I have to say. I'm, I'm very excited for the project. Mr. Lopez, I appreciate you um, only using 15 acres of the 160-acre site. Um, I also appreciate you uh, hopefully sticking to your word with a scholarship program for local kids and students to go out to that particular site. Ms. Gillis? I believe it. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, I believe it could be good, I, but I do it. As he said, I would like to see there you do stick to it making it affordable for locals and as well as scholarships and whatnot. I was a little iffy on the wording of considering it. I want to, that's really, I hope you implement that if this moves forward because I think that would be something that would garner more support from the area that you're willing to work with the locals being that you're trying to attract a lot of outside people as well. Close counts. Comments? Is there a motion? Mr. Mayor, I make a motion to approve ZA-2302. A second. Roll call. Mayor DePue? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Foreclose on 1859 Pine Tree Drive related to unpaid code enforcement and utility liens. Staff report. The property located at 1859 Pine Tree Drive has been neglected for over 10 years. Code enforcement actions such as issuing citations and daily fines have not motivated the property owner to correct the outstanding violations. The home recently sustained flood damage from Hurricane Ian and the house is no longer habitable. The Volusia County property appraiser values the home at approximately $166,411 and the land at $29,600. The City of Edgewater utility lien is approximately $16,000, and the code enforcement lien is approximately $208,000. On November 14, 2022, I contacted the city attorney to research the feasibility of foreclosing on this property. The city attorney, Aaron Wolf, concluded it would be feasible to foreclose. Mr. Wolf estimated the cost at $7,500 for for the foreclosure if it is uncontested, and the city would be required to pay $8,517 in delinquent property taxes. After a successful foreclosure, the city of Edgewater could evaluate this home's interior and exterior for the feasibility of selling the home as is. If the property found, if the damage, if the damage found is too severe, the home would have to be de demolished at an estimated cost of $8,500. Staff is recommending approval to have the city attorney foreclose on 1859 Pine Tree Drive. Thank you. Citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to comment on this agenda item, please step up to the podium, state your name and address for the record, and please limit to three <coughs> minutes or less. Seeing none at this time, council comments. I have a comment. Um, I, 
from my understanding is uh, with foreclosed homes, there are, um, there are, there are options uh, to possibly have the Habitat for Humanity uh, purchase the home if it's the right price. Uh, and then they could do something to get someone in the home um, for their first homeowner's um, purchase. I just want to see if that was something that could be on the table or something that could happen if and when we foreclose. <clears throat> the answer is yes. Um, I actually have uh, a meeting forthcoming, I think it's this week, with Mark Billings uh, with Habitat. And I intend to discuss that with him at that point in time. I have talked to Habitat's attorney. Um, it was kind of a odd conversation. Nice lady, but I really got nowhere. So I want to talk to Mark and see what, how he feels about it. Does it typically go to auction if that nope. opportunity is not working? Uh, he's biting the chomp. Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I foreclosed uh, code enforcement liens on other properties in the city, and ultimately the city ended up donating those properties to Habitat for Humanity. And they built a nice home in the city. So it's a big improvement. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, it's, yeah, there is a, a history of doing that, working with Habitat. Thank you. So, Chief, you said 10 years? Uh, over 10 years. Over 10 years, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not like this is someone who is maybe on – it's abandoned, number one. No one's living in it. So it's not like someone's living in it, they have a hardship, they're, they're, they're not able to maintain it. It is a literal – they walked away from this property, whether they inherited it or whatever. Yeah, and I have some history on that. Yeah. The homeowner died in 1999. Uh, the estate was closed in 2000, and the property <coughs> transferred to two individuals um, who live out of state. Okay. So that's kind of the history on that. So, yeah, it has been abandoned, essentially, and not lived in. So it's not homestead property. Okay. And uh, we did a title search. There are no mortgages or prior liens that would trump the city's liens. So it is definitely feasible to foreclose. So, and they're obviously not paying property tax. Correct. They're not paying utility costs. So Correct. And so, forth. so, yeah, this is one of those things, this is an extreme situation. But, yeah. It's also, I believe, I wanted to list this, is also the same home that has been brought up at several council mm -hmm. meetings at right. Citizen Commons. There's, that car's been there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, yeah. And the house yeah. has been a problem in that neighborhood. Yeah. So. It's not just where we do this willy-nilly. This this took a lot of coming to get to this point. Yeah. Is what I wanted to cover. Okay. So any other comments? Seeing none, is there a motion? Make a motion to uh, foreclose on 1859 Pine Tree Drive related to the unpaid code enforcement and utility liens. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbell? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Okay, officer report, city clerk. Um, we had to cancel the land development code workshop that was scheduled for last week. Do you guys want to look at a date now to reschedule that too, or do you want me to just send out some dates? Send out some just send, send out, out some dates. dates. That'd be great. Okay. Um, reminder that city offices are closed on the 20th for President's Day, and everyone should have received an email regarding the in-person ethics training coming up in March. If you have not already let me know that you want to go, please let me know if you do, and I'll take care of registering. You'll RSVP us for that. Yes. We'll get a calendar invite. Yep. That's, that's in right, Alex? Yes. 
and it's being given by the guy who gave it that, that packet, you know, as well. And that's all I have. Great. City Attorney. Uh, nothing at this time. Great. City Manager. Yes, sir, I've got one thing. Um, staff would like to recommend extending the suspension of charges having to do with building permits related to storm damage. Um, the request for per uh, purchase orders, the request for permits are trickling in, uh, but they're not coming in as fast as what we believe they should. Uh, so we'd like to extend that another 90, 90 days, uh, which would bring us to July 6, 2023. So all I need is a uh, motion to approve and we'll do it, make it happen. Yeah, I make a motion to extend waiving hurricane damage permitting fees until July 6, 2023. Second. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Yes. Councilwoman Gillis? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Okay, citizens' comments. Anyone wishing to comment, please come up to the podium, state your name and address, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. My name is Peg Tanner. I live at uh, 231 Low Steemus in Edgewater. Um, uh, earlier in, in this meeting, uh, people were talking about flooding because uh, canals and, and they weren't dredged and, and taken care of. And I, I just would like to ask the young man who's in charge of that, um, why not? That would be Mr. Coslow. Uh, that's an inaccurate characterization. We have a high level of maintenance on all of our stormwater systems, and we've maintained that same level of maintenance for over 20 years. Someone um, said that they hadn't been dredged in, in 10 years. That is inaccurate for all the canals that I'm aware of that we maintain. There may be other ones that are not being maintained well by other agencies, but that's not accurate as far as City of Edgewater canals go. What did happen is Hurricane Ian caused a lot of devastation in a lot of areas, not just in Edgewater, unfortunately. Mr. Coslow, do you have a, a map or a report that this um, citizen could get of when the canals were maintenance or dredged? We can put one together, and I can certainly forward that to you. That would be great. Thank you. Do we have a date of when you think you could do that? I believe I have it, but if you'd like to give me your, your email, I'd be glad Wonderful. to take it. Of course, of course. It's on the website. Are there any other comments at this time? Chuck Martin, 205 Cherrywood Land Edgewater, Florida. It's been a good meeting tonight. I think we can all agree that we may disagree. But, you know, I guess I heard a lot of good stuff up here tonight. Did want to give a shout-out to our city manager as he was um, meeting over in um, Bond and Regent to get the ball rolling over there to get that pond cleaned out, get some sand put in it, get it all cleared up over there, put a fence up, done um, Excellent job with Public Works over there and the Parks and Rec guys putting the fence up. Um, you know, as Glenn was being cussed out by someone that really had no reason to cuss him out because he didn't cause these problems. He's trying to fix them, and that's why I tried to explain to the... I just happened to be there when it went down. And Jeff was there. And um, 
the man has, he just, um, I, I don't know how he does it. Um, he took it all in stride and um, is, is getting the job done with our public works. And I just wanted to give a shout out to um, Jeff Thurman. Um, he came out there after um, an illness that could have taken his life and was climbing down in a ditch with myself and the mayor. Um, we found a, a outfall ditch from Wildwood subdivision that was completely clogged up in a pipe. I mean, 100%. And um, the city manager directed him to come out and meet with us on Sunday, which I thought was excellent. And um, <clears throat> before you know it, they were back there. They cleaned and they got it done. And that's and that's what it's about. And um, being a resident here, you know, for 55, 56 years and planning these ditches, I know where they're at. And um, I know where the problem spots are. And, you know, I'd like to maybe take a ride with Jeff sometime on a weekend, you know, and um, maybe point out a few of these spots because I don't think anybody knows. Eh, there might be a few people who know more about the ditches than me, but I don't know. I've fished them and swam in them and played in them, but uh, be able to help out in Edgewater and, um, you know, do what I can for the citizens and, and for our public works as well. I was serious when I said I could run a backup. I don't know if, you know, we need to budget more money for overtime for guys on the weekends or if they're overworked or if we don't have enough operators. But, you know, I would be willing to help out. I'm not just talking here. And, uh, but, you know, we're, we're heading in the right direction. Um, I just would like to know, is there any updates on getting that pipe put in from Duck Pond to the 17th Street Canal? And um, if we called for any locates, uh, can we get some bids, or what are we doing now that we haven't been doing? Um, that's all I ask. Thank you, Mr. Martin. Mr. Manager, would you like to? This one has to be budgeted, um, and that's a summertime event. Um, it's a big project. Okay. All I ask, all I ask, is that we just have an eight-inch pump on standby for another hurricane that we can pump that water down Thank the you. road if needed. Thank you, Mr. Martin. Okay. We are adjourned at this time. There are no further business.